All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, look at us. Here we are. It is a Wednesday here inside the Tower Chrysler Studios. Tower Chrysler voted by you, the people, as the favorite Dodge Ram Chrysler Jeep dealer in Southern Alberta. People's Actually, champ. For good reason. They are the people's champ. You go in there, uh, Serge will lay the people's elbow on you if you're not careful. Saw Nikki the other day. Yeah. She's doing great. Nikki is the glue over there. It's true. Yeah. She was... Uh, Almost literally running around. Hmm. Yeah. Just kind of, oh, hey, boom, how you doing? I'll t- sorry, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Yeah, so those yeah. like hummingbird vibes. Just, just buzzing around, checking in on everyone. Yeah, in and out. She, uh, she's got it going on over there. Um, a lot to get to today. We've got uh, the show and a special guest as in our, let's call it hour number two of the program. Wow. This is going very That's old right. school. Hour so- number two of the program, the new head coach of the Calgary Flames, Ryan Huska going to join us here in the Barnburner Studios, here in the Tower Chrysler Studios. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, he's been he's been very popular doing the rounds. That's what you do when you yep. get a high profile new job, kind of like us. You know, when we started this, oh, just, a lot of rounds. You know, Rhett was on uh, the National and Entertainment Tonight, doing all the rounds. Joe Rogan, she, yeah, Joe, that's you right. You guys went on a tangent. I yeah. was impressed. I didn't realize <sighs> you guys were the same hymn book. It was yeah. good stuff. Right, started talking about you know media and broadcasting, and then baloney and killing animals, and uh, 
ear lights, ear lights, red light yeah. therapy. It Living was, on Mars. It I recommend it. Yeah. Yeah, if you haven't heard it. So yes, Mr. Huska, head coach of the flames coming up in hour number two. We have some things to get to uh, before then. So I mean, the, <sighs> Oh, what's that noise? Come on. I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm trying to have, has there been this kind of a meh feeling after a Stanley cup championship's been handed out? Just very matter. Just yeah, okay. It's over. Yeah. I think just depending where you are and how invested you are with sort of central figures on the team, that changes a lot. Like you had Kale McCarr, the Calgarian, last year, and Colorado finally got it done. But if if you're in Manitoba, you're upside down for these Golden Knights. You see how many boys from Manitoba they got on this team, and I don't know. I like Brett. Obviously, and his crew was in with the Panthers. That's been a long time since they had a run like this. Didn't resonate here maybe as much. I thought I I loved watching last night's game, but I really didn't watch a ton of the first. Four. You loved last night's. You game? You liked last night's game. Well, not as an exhibition of like, oh my goodness, this is how good hockey could be, but because it was a celebration the whole night. It was out of, like it was. It was people know that you look around the building. Everyone knew they were winning the cup. It was a party for three hours. So can I show a picture of my kid and what he had on his oh, no. shirt this morning, like? Do we do we show our children or do we? Yeah, uh, sure. You can. We'll blur it out. Uh, it's a piece of paper. Okay, you're probably gonna have to read it to us, especially with my eyes. Letter F there. Yeah, F U Vegas. Okay. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> Tape that to his shirt this morning yeah. to wear to school. Yeah. Show them. It's, it's yeah. The sandwich board's a little expensive these days with inflation. I'm just going with the full scap and yeah. the red ink. Yeah. yeah. Show them. That'll <laughs> also the finger. Give them the bird. There too. it is. Yep. Well done. Atta- Jaime is which one? Yeah. Uh, no, Billy Bob. Billy Bob. Attaboy, Billy Bob. Billy. Yeah, I mean, it's. I guess that's how it goes. If you have an, a, if it's your team, that's one thing. If you have an attachment through some member of the personnel, that's another. But if you are just watching, but wasn't it? Wasn't drama. Vegas? Everyone, sorry for interrupting you, but wasn't yeah. Vegas kind of everyone's team for a couple years there? Until they started not being loyal to anyone. And then they're like, how could you do Marc-Andre Fleury like that? How could you do Nate Schmidt like that? How could you send out Pacioretty? He's just getting it like when they became ruthless, I think they lost that charming, oh, wow, this is a good expansion team. What? This is cute. It was that. And it was also the, if you want to call it, circumventing of the cap. Well, yeah. yeah. Which I think... It was the one at all costs and like screw any how you feel about it type. Like, yes, this is the guy that's the face it's, of the franchise. He's it, out of here. He's gone. It is quite a trend. The now again, you have to be good enough, but how you hide guys on IR for as long as possible to allow yourself that cap space. Yeah. Now this team was cap compliant that was on the ice last night. That wasn't an issue. So I don't, it wasn't like Tampa when they had Cooch out the whole season and then he came in and it's like, oh, there's an $8 million player. You're eight over the cap. Um, Mark Stone was kind of that guy over the yes. last few years, though. Yeah, I'm talking about this season. To they, bring they Jack were, Eichel in. They were cap compliant this year. Jack Eichel and Mark Stone were on the roster at the same time. I, I understand what you're saying. Okay. This is not a classic cap circumvention. Aha, we got you. There's a lot of money hurt that's not there for them. But yes, in other years, they have done that. They didn't win the Cups those years, but yes. And Montreal was way over the cap this year because Price and a bunch of other guys. Like it's, it's just that that stigma is attached to them. If it's a stigma for you, stigma for you. Yeah. The the flip side would be, uh, congratulations on working the system and being ruthless and yeah. doing what it takes to win. Now I don't know. Do they break the rules? Does that? It's not breaking the rules, but exactly. does. 
Sorry. Does it change the mood? Or it's I, you know, these these fucking guys. They just they're not loyal to anybody. They fire coaches. They bring guys in. Well, they want a cup in six years' time, and convincingly so. Does that now justify some of the? Oh, we dad and Ob, you're traded. Oh, you're not traded. You're Whoops, back. We well, we're going to trade you. <laughs> the, the, everything. Yeah. Is that all kind of? That's the price of doing business. Um, I think it's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's fresh. Uh, they've changed everything, haven't they? They've changed the in-game entertainment. Everyone's everyone around the league. Their in-game entertainment has had to go up a notch, mm-hmm. right? And I still don't think most rinks touch what Vegas does. It's a tough. It's, it's a tough. high bar. Yeah, it's a high up, bar, yeah. right? They absolutely owned the expansion draft. They, you know, I I think it was changed to help expansion teams. I don't know that. I I don't know. I've never dug into the differences from the '90s to when Vegas came in or whatever. But it sure seemed like GMs for other teams either totally effed up or felt like the new rules had them over a barrel a little bit more or misjudged how much it was going to affect them. A lot of mistakes, but not on Vegas' part. Yeah, and you played it perfectly. Yeah, I think they've had a plan from game from day one to not slow play this. They and then weren't when things happy. go sideways, they replace immediately. Like you get yeah. a Leonard injury, okay, we find another goalie. You, yeah. like, this guy's no good. He's got to get out of here. We're over I the think, cap. Move this guy now. Yeah. That that what's his name? The the guy, the owner. I think he's he's had a game plan where. Yeah. No, no, no. We're here to win. We didn't get into the business to have a have five years of sold out arena just because we're new and and fun we're we're going to compete yeah there was that video from year one where he's asked about his team he says well playoffs in three stanley cup in six six years why not and six years later he's got a stanley cup i i i kind of thought about you retro because you are are on the with carolina it's not that they're not loyal but it's just this is how we do business and we'd like you to be part of it, but if you can't be, no hard feelings, we're moving on, that sort of thing. This is very much like that, although more free spending, it feels like. They're willing to, to go that extra. You know, we'll pay. We'll, we'll bring in the big names, whereas it felt like Carolina, not so much. We're not going to pay Dougie Hamilton. We're not going to do that. But to me, it kind of does. It's... It's all just white noise now. If you were bitching and complaining about mm-hmm. how they do it, and I can't believe they treat they, I can't believe they do them dirty like that. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, I was saying, it's like Ray Liotta. Remember in uh, Goodfellas, where he's talking about being a gangster. It's like, oh, you're late with this. Fuck you, pay me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't do the. Fuck you, pay me. It's like, hey, sorry, we're here to win. Yeah. Are you going to help us win? If not, yeah. And how, how did you feel about Tampa? Is anyone still sour with that, or did you just look back and be like, "Wow, they collected a lot of talent, and they went to the finals a bunch, and were Eastern Conference finalists like six times in eight years?" Like, tip your cap. Yeah, okay, they used the tools available with LTIR and the cap to that helped, but God, they also went without Stamkos until what the clinching game in the bubble. Like, I don't feel like Tampa cheated or, or was like this is the NHL. Use any edge you have to be better. I don't have a problem with. Like, if you are good enough, if you're good enough to make the playoffs without a superstar player, mm-hmm. then go ahead, get 
I guess do it, try it. And then if you bring, I, I don't know, I don't have as some people really don't like it. I think it's there for got every, eliminated by these teams. You're sour. It's there for every team in the league to use. And it's, it's a bit of a gamble, I suppose. I don't know. I, they, they were good enough to win. They, no one took them to seven games. Edmonton got them to six and probably gave them the best fight. Dallas got them to six, but that one felt like, hmm, how, how'd you get to six? And then Winnipeg and Florida in five, and Florida needed overtime to get the one win. It was decisive in the final. It wasn't close. No. Like, no. Florida didn't have a game where they looked better than Vegas. They won one, but they needed a goal in the last three minutes to tie it, and then overtime. Like, it was, it was, a, it was very clear early in the series who the better team was. And as we learned about how guys were playing and what injuries were there, that certainly hurt Florida a lot. You didn't have a healthy Aaron Ekblad at all, and Kachuk got severely dinged up in what we're being told is game three. Yeah, Paul Maurice had a uh, kind of a good exchange with uh, oh. anyway Jackie Redmond, Jackie, and was talking about you know broken sternum and Gudis had a high ankle sprain, which is you know that's a four to six week injury. He missed a period. Ekblad suffered a broken foot or whatever it was in the Boston series. Two shoulder pops. They took uh, a lot of damage in that Boston series. It's hard, Rhett. You'd be the one. So great for Florida. What a great season. They'll we'll be, be back. back. That's, that's, that's hard to hear today. I suppose if, if you're a member of the Panthers. Well, it's easy to say, not easy to do. Mm. You heard we'll be back in Florida, right? 96. It's like, oh, wow, look at this yeah. team coming here. That's what everyone would have said. It's it's not that simple. Like, you think- the one I remember the most, Ryan, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. was Iggy. Yeah. Iggy said it to me, and I was like, I didn't say anything back, but I'm like, I've, I've done, this, done this three times. You don't, there's no, there's no recipe that you just put on the stove and it gets you back there. <laughs> so... And you're well, not and the lockout at all helped to... you too. I thought. Yeah. Like, no, it didn't. It was but... just not not to say that you were like you're right. It's so hard to get there. Everything has to go right for you. But it just it was another year of attrition off that roster. It was too bad. It was just a pretty different group. Yeah, not just about that group, but all of them. Anytime a team wins, you you guarantee that guys are beat up in the Vegas room as well. So that's the cost of winning. I still remember yeah. the Oilers story or Gretzky or whoever told it about the Islanders and walking by their dressing room. And he's like, mm-hmm. they're not even, what do you say? They're basically, they weren't even celebrating. They were icing and sore. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's the cost. Also, what's probably commendable for Vegas is because they talked a lot about the misfits, the six guys. For all these teams, and there's one that plays here, you hear, oh, there's so much turnover and turnover is hard. How do you... They they rolled that friggin' roster over. You mentioned Pacioretty. He wasn't there, then he was there, then he was gone. There were some guys that were in and mm-hmm. out or not there and then in. Yeah. They reshaped that whole and, and no more than in goal. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Flurry to you name it. They had so many guys go through there. And it really didn't impact their overall performance. Last year, the one year that obviously they don't they don't make it, but goaltending really hurt them last year. But from start to finish, that team has played much the same way. They clearly, between George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon, have identified what kind of a player we we need, what do we want, what does it take to, to be in our system. Even the coaches changed. Well, but that's they what I was going to say. They still played the same way. Yeah. yeah well, the roster. Odd. 
it's odd that you've went through that many coaches and guys and still have a kind of a standard of play or style of play that clearly the GM wants. What's interesting is we always say, oh, copycat league, everyone's going to take something. Like, this was a very different styles of teams that have won lately, right? Like this was a big, physical, deep team without a superstar, you could argue. Now, maybe you feel differently about Stone or Eichel at the end of it all. But it, it wasn't McDavid. It wasn't Crosby. It wasn't McKinnon and McCarr, right? The year prior, it, it was a team built on speed and skill more than size. Not that Colorado was small. Uh, you've seen two no-name goalies, basically. Not no-name, like Darcy Kemper, good goalie, but not star goalies. And then you go before that in Tampa. He's got the world's best goalie. He wins two in a row, and it's superstar-laden. And there's a lot of smaller, skilled forwards in there. Like There isn't one way to do this. And I, I keep thinking about how much this is more art than science a lot of times, that there isn't like a template go in the cup, that this is constantly changing and evolving. And what pieces do you have? How do you complement them to turn this into something that could get to a cup? And you need a lot to go right. McCrimmon was talking about on the ice last night. He was talking to Julian Breezebois from the Lightning. You need some things to go your way. They had the Florida break, Florida injuries. They remained healthy. Yeah. Their goal, to, they, they lost a goalie and the guy that came in was better. It, they, everything I'm trying to think, where was the banana peel for them? They really were able to avoid it. There was not much adversity. The, the only thing for them was goalies all year, but at least it wasn't new when they got to the playoffs. Like when they went to Aiden Hill, no one was freaking out because they'd gone to three different guys already this year. Robin Leonard is making the most money in net there and he didn't play a game this year, uh, is, but it's something that they were familiar with all year. Right. And, and, to their credit, they built a system in front of their goalie that it didn't really matter a ton whether it was Persuas or Hill or Logan Thompson or somebody else. And then when you'd get better than average net mining from Hill, it's like, well, shit, here we go. This system plus a guy that's on a heater. And to be fair, like the one thing all these teams have in common, pretty much, maybe with Colorado's the exception, if your goalie's on a heater, you get the best goalie in a series, you win most of those series. Like Bobrovsky what, did not post 950 this series. I don't have to tell anyone that. He had eight against last night. Like he's in the 800s this series. He was 950-ish for Boston and Toronto. Carolina. I should say, sorry, uh, Toronto and Carolina. Yeah. I was watching last night and I was thinking, if you could time machine, go back 20 years and just take, because I think it was Eichel who was doing the interview and he had the championship hat on and the, the scarf and that and, here he is, Stanley Cup champion, and then they're wearing those friggin' Scarfs. disco jerseys oh, okay. with the gold glitter and the, the league logo. It's like, I wonder what if you were to take this twenty years ago. It's like there What's is that? uh, that's celebration on the ice from the Cup final. What what team is wearing that? Who, who is, is this? who is possibly Kansas City wearing this this ridiculous disco jersey? I, I mean, hey, it's a great uh, it's a great town. The fans love it. They didn't boo Bettman, so they got to figure that that's out. That's the one thing that's disappointing. Cheered for Bettman. Come on, guys. Be better than that. Well, why um, do you think the refs were on? Oh, there, yeah, that's right. That's right. Forgot about that. Don't know the refs factored a ton last night in the 9-3. Result. Yeah. Real nail biter down to the finish. Uh, oh, well. So it's all over. The, the young men got to watch the cup get given away? Yeah. Last year, they did as well, so that was cool. And then they got to see the cup, and Logan O'Connor brought it to a couple blocks away from the studio here. But uh, that's always exciting. You can see grown men crying, and the boys are just dinner plate eyeballs watching this. That's the good stuff right there. Sure.
you guys are teenagers now. I don't know. We're different. Yeah, same, you know, whatever. Seven. Yeah, whatever. It was very anticlimactic. That was, yes. The that's whole. The, I can is, be honest. That's the first cup I've not watched be presented <laughs> since retiring. I saw the score and I I, I hadn't been watching. So what, what's there to watch out of this? I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll catch up. I'll be, get filled in. But then it's, well, you got to watch the handshake and the and the whole thing. And yeah, it was very nice. And you're happy for the people in Vegas. But um, it didn't feel know. like a 50 year curse had been lifted and a long suffering fan base was rewarded. It was more well, like this pro sports is your fun. Hey, and they beat the piss out of everyone. It felt like, yeah. right? Like they walked I, through, like you look back, you said earlier, they walked through the playoffs yeah. kind of like it was like LA that one year. Right? Almost, they just, yeah. Smashed. LA was a hot knife through butter. Yeah. I think it was 2012, their first cup first year where they were what eight seed just got in and then daryl got them clicking and it was like oh they're huge this four checks impossible and jonathan quicks and sensational and you got dowdy and kopitar in their prime like good night yeah like no one was touching them now st louis because you mentioned star laden it was one of the things yeah st louis wins 2019 which because they did at the time their goaltender was out of nowhere a lot of st louis right yeah um this would would the Vegas Golden Knights have more stars than that Blues no, team did? I think you got to remember Ryan O'Reilly was probably at his peak there, and Vladimir Tarasenko was one of the elite snipers in the game. Alex Petrangelo was there, considered one of the top D in the game. So yeah. I wouldn't go that far, but I do think there's a lot of similarities. It's a goalie that at the beginning of the year no one even had heard of, or if you'd heard of him, you're like, well, I mean, where is he on the depth chart? Four, three, like Ville Husso was higher on the depth chart than Bennington that year. He was their fourth guy. Um, they're teams that weren't terribly sexy, but were very deep. I remember it felt like St. Louis had three lines of 20 goal guys. Right. Yeah. And then it was a pretty damn good decor. And I feel that way. Certainly decor was real good. Yeah. Very good. So it can be done. That's it's the one thing that I take away from it. It can be done. Uh, winning a cup. Yeah. <laughs> Every year. <laughs> They did it in six years. Isn't that wild? It can be done. You started from scratch, made the playoffs in five of six years, winning the cup once, two trips to the finals. What are the odds of Seattle winning this thing next year? Can we put some money on that? This blank slate, I think, is a good thing for GMs. You know me in math, but that's not fluke. I feel there's enough there that you've, you've done something correctly. Do you need to... Wipe this. Are you better off? And I think we've maybe talked about that. Would you be better off just wiping a slate clean? Give me my full, however many cap dollars you got. Give me the give me the cap, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to start over again. God, yeah. I, I've but I find it hard to think you could go to free agency or or offer sheets or whatever way, um, and, and pull this off. But I have to think if you're a fan in a city where your team doesn't make the playoffs or hasn't won or ha- has one playoff round victory in 15 20 years you might be thinking what uh what's going on hey i mean you got to give them a ton of credit this wasn't their plan like the plan was to be competitive in six years the thing the the thing that went sideways on them is they were good in year one they didn't expect that they, they certainly wanted to be they tried to be but they knew it was a long shot when they were actually leading the division at the deadline and they didn't sell james neal and they didn't sell 
uh, Perron. They didn't, you know, they, that was when it was like, okay, this is actually augmenting the plan. We're better now than we thought we'd be. We didn't think we had 40 goals at a William Carlson who scored 12 last year in Columbus. Marsha show is even better than we'd hoped. Riley Smith has been like, the, they had a top line in the league. You're not supposed to be able to do that when you're picking from scraps off other rosters. Uh, that was the only real pivot they had to make. It was that they were better sooner than they thought. And I think that got them into that when it all costs mode, because I think the plan was probably to look like Seattle's where it's like maybe in year two or three, we get in. And that's what Foley said. Year three, mm-hmm. we want to be in the playoffs, but that's a good off the plan thing when you're better quicker. And I think that made them ruthless. It was like, this team's going to be old soon. That's the other thing, right? Like, yeah, I, I don't know how it goes from here on out. Once you win, it's great. Cause I was going to say the one thing that they've done is use draft picks as currency in a different fashion. They've not worried about drafting kids. The only first rounder they have, and they've been in the league for seven years with the draft because they had one before they played this, their sixth season is Pat Brizon's kid, super agent. And he may be yeah. moved or maybe they like the, having the the bat phone to pat when they want to get a hold of an agent but everyone else has been moved and like why wouldn't you if they're if you look at bill foley's this is your six we have to win it this is our goal but even right from the start they went and got patch right away gave up suzuki they gave up to get mark stone they started using those picks Mm -hmm. to get established players right off the start if there's anything you talk about being copycat is there maybe some of that that maybe, maybe there's other a, teams are built the other you way. You always right? want to, yeah. But is is there? You have to have it's, an it's older... a mix. But is there a way to look at it and think: Are we going to spend these draft picks on a potential superstar or potentially nothing, or do we go out and get somebody who is in the league? We are more comfortable in what he's going to be as an NHLer and go at it that way. I just think it was their competitive window. They were good, and it was like, okay, well, if we're good, we're moving these. If they were bad, it's like, no, no, we need these picks, right? And so when they made playoffs year one, I don't think they planned on moving all their picks, but of course it made sense at that juncture, right? Well, it's one year, though, for an Jack expansion. Eichel. There's a lot of things. That- Tons. Jack Eichel, Eichel, Petrangelo, right? Stone, like, Pacioretty. Eichel have- yeah. Jack Eichel and... He's been critiqued, and trust me, the people here in this town where I'm sitting hate the fact that he just won a Stanley Cup. But the point I'm trying to make is that Jack Eichel shouldn't have been available for Mm -hmm. them, right? Like, that should have never – do they win without Jack Eichel? I don't know. He had to be right up there for for Conn Smythe, right? More than available. Like, how about Vegas saying we're going to get more aggressive than 30 other teams to make sure we're the team that ends up with Eichel? That's really – what separates Vegas. They were willing to roll the dice on a guy with a surgery that I, I don't know that had been done before once in the NHL. I don't think many people were worried about the surgery. No, I agree. But why were there not 30 teams going bananas to try to get Jack Eichel? Well, right? yeah, he's got can, a bad reputation. That's why. So they not every team can fit 10 million in 10 million. Of course. But my, my point being like back, this was a team that did not have a lot of cap space when they made that move. They were ruthless and moved guys out to make it happen. And they believed in the culture of those misfits that they started last night, the six original guys, that this is a place we can bring Jack and it's not going to be an issue. Other teams weren't that comfortable in that. Like, we can't bring this guy in. Look what's happened in Buffalo. Everything they'd set up allowed that Jack Eichel thing to happen. It wasn't that they were sitting on cap space. That was not it at all. No, I. but you say this all the time. When it's about making a trade or bringing a guy in, well, who's got the cap space? Who's got the cap space? You say that all the time. 
like my point is not every team either looked at it and say we're we're going to spend 10 million and assets to bring in a center when our need isn't center there were other like you make there were other teams that were in on Jack Eichel. It's not as though Vegas was clairvoyant and figured, you know, this guy might be a player. He was second overall. The Flames were right into the end. There was five or six teams that were in there swinging hard for Jack Eichel. Were they swinging just hard? Vegas got them. It felt like they, they, I, I expected more in terms of the packages that were offered. They didn't give a ton up to get them. I mean, Alex Tuck's a good player. They get a first and Krebs. That's. I so mean, what were the other offers? Well, I don't know, but it didn't feel like Calgary had anything close to that. Like I didn't, it, it was, it felt like by the end of it, it was like, he's going to Vegas. It's going to happen in Vegas and no one else is really throwing up as much. Does he not have a no move clause? I think he did. I don't think it might he not have did he at, that, in at that point. I don't know. Um, anyway. Either way, I give him credit for making that happen because 30 teams could have had Jack Eichel, but the one team found a way to make it happen. And it wasn't a team that had cap space. That wasn't how they did it. It was because they were ruthless about winning now at all costs. They had cap space. Anyway, moving on, Jack Eichel, it was one of those things when when he went there, it felt like, oh, that's that just makes them so much work. better. And then they missed the playoffs. It was like, oh, maybe. Eh, wait a year. He did make them that much better. I'm with you, Red. He was, I think he was quietly, in, in a weird way, he was very good. It helped that Marcia so went on an unbelievable tear and the goalie got hot and all of that. Someone's got to get Marcia so the puck. Like there's, Jeez. I think there was a few assists there. Yeah. 20 assists in the postseason for Eichel. You How happy me? were those Holy two shit. playing together? And Eichel <laughs> said it post game. Like, I think he, without saying exactly it, acknowledged that he did a lot of growing up since arriving there. And that obviously to what Red had talked about ages ago, like things had soured badly in Buffalo, but that that was a place that nurtured him. And he suddenly listening to him last night, that was a team first guy talking. I didn't hear that guy talk in Buffalo. That's hard, right? When, when you're on the other end of that, and I guess you could put Calgary in that spot with Kachuk here, but more so on that one where it sours to a point with the team that a trade is really inevitable. There's no going back. And no matter how good the trade is or at the, give it time, give it time. It'll come. You just know it would have been way better if we could have worked things out and kept the guy here instead of having to trade. Cause he's, he's going to, he's the best player in the trade today. He'll probably be the best guy from the trade in years from now, when you look back on it and he's going to be good for them. That's hard. When you make those deals, knowing that the player you're trading away is probably going to be very hall good of, hall of fame guy. Should be right. I think we forgot how young he was too. Like mm -hmm. he missed a whole season when he was 24. Like, yeah. like, like that, this wasn't a 29 year old that never lived up to expectations. This was one of the brightest young prospects of like a decade that yeah. it was put in one of the losingest teams in the NHL to start his career at 18. If he was a little immature and fed up with things, I think a lot of us would have ended up being that way in that environment. It was a tough place to try to be a leader when you're young. And he was probably rather, you know, cocky and arrogant because why wouldn't he be, He's, you know, on track to be one of the best Americans ever to play the sport, but he grew up in Vegas and that injury he was poorly run in Buffalo at the time as well. It's yeah. Not fit ourselves. Both sides handled it poorly there for sure. A couple things to get to here, because uh, as mentioned, hour number two, we have a guest coming in studio, uh, more video from the shoveler retro. Oh dear. More video from the shoveler. She's back from the, the water slides. You got to. I'm not sure where you're laying down because I know you're fatigued with your snoring and all that with the sleep apnea. Um, but now it feels like it's a game because she's just firing up the old camera. And 
this has become fun. It's almost a challenge for her now. Um, if you suffer with snoring and sleep apnea, then you got to go to outdoor dental. Dr. Jay Patel with the Solea laser treatment, two 15 minute treatments, soft palate, tension, tighten things up back there, and it reduces or eliminates your snoring. Uh, this is the one that we got most recently retro. Um, so it feels like she's she's taking the video, but also kind of playing with your jib or something. <laughs> Soul Patrick, love it. That's not good on your back, right? You're awful on your back. Like you can see why we're telling you, you're not getting any air in there. The no. teeth whitener work though, doesn't it? Now she's. It's like she's playing an instrument now. She's kind of. I don't make you want to be a dentist. <laughs> You're out cold there. You're anyway. You can fix that, Rhett. Come on now. So much better. High better quality sleep is going to change everything in your life. You're going to feel better. The people around you are going to enjoy being around you. Just all of your life changes. And it's relaxing, it's comfortable, it's pain-free. Back to your day in minutes. Sleep apnea treatment with Outdoor Dental. Outdoor.dental is the website. Dr. Jay Patel is the guy. There's very few of these. It's the Solea laser is unbelievable. We got kind of the, the walkthrough to see how it works. It's it's crazy what they can do now, obviously. And one of those things is treat your snoring. Outdoor.dental. Go and see Dr. Jay. A, a consultation, set up an appointment. And before you know it, you could be sleeping and feeling just much better smudge 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 better let's jump to the uh the pinder report it is a presentation of village honda they have their father's day sale event on the go now Ooh. at village honda a family ticket bundle for cavalry fc with every new or pre-owned vehicle you're going to get a family ticket bundle up until uh, Father's Day, which I believe is this weekend. So from now till the end of the week, you go and get yourself into a new or used vehicle at Village. And you're going to be off to see Cavalry FC, you and the family. Love nice it. Little, nice little perk there. Sweet. From Village Honda, your dealership for life. Here is the Pinder Report. There we are. You got it back. Thank oh, you. Love oh. oh, look at how proud he is. Throwback. Look at that. Oh. Boys, we've seen some pretty cool drone coverage in the world of sports. Remember the fly through the the Masters Clubhouse at Augusta National, you know, other celebrations. Check this out as Vegas indeed won the 2023 Stanley Cup championship. This is kind of cool. Flooding off the bench to swarm Aiden Hill. Not just showing this to someone 10, 20 years ago, Dean. You're talking about Vegas and the jerseys, but just how is this camera doing this? <laughs> and Horn got stopped tonight. Yeah, Horn Nine bowls. And the night is today. Here he's uh, day to day. It's still on. Just keep leaning on. He's just emptying the tank. I mean, what are you saving it for? The next cup there? Let's go. Unbelievable stuff. Here's your pick. They gathered and celebrated. It was rather anticlimactic. We knew Vegas was going to win this probably from what? The very, well, at least first third of the game. Uh, Bill Foley diving into the front face of the team in a way, right? Like, I, I, I don't mean that, that like, Oh, look at, but we don't see and hear a lot of owners in this league, especially in this market. There he is right in the middle. It was George McPhee was trying to walk into the side. He's like, Nope, I'm coming right in. He's got Jackal Jack Eichel right behind him. 
Six years, we want to win a cup. Check mark. 31 other owners are like, how the hell did they do that? Whew. Incredible stuff. Uh, the only thing more incredible than winning in six years is the man, the legend, physical Phil Kessel, who was on a heater last night. Quote, it takes me back to my Toronto days. You guys said I couldn't win, and now I'm a three-time champ. Remember that. There's nothing more beautiful than Phil Kessel uh, continuing to prove the, the doubters wrong. Uh, there's your stat. The last 56 years, the Leafs have zero cups. Phil Kessel has three. <laughs> And uh, there's one more because, Phil, you're not just done when you win the Cup. There's still a few goals you want to achieve. Uh, At least last night, Phil had one. And to celebrate tonight with the boys. Obviously, it's going to be a fun night. And, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, try not to throw up. (laughs) All right. Good luck with that. And congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Can you not? How do you not love Phil? He's awesome. It he literally awesome. came back to Toronto and filled the cup with hot dogs. That's like one of the greatest bleep you, but oh, funny, yeah. amazing. Yeah. And then you hear the Versteeg stories. Like the guy is one of a kind. Iron Man. And he played three games in the Winnipeg series and then didn't get back in, but. Helped hey, him get there. I guess so. I played a bunch of regular season, right? Incredible little stuff. Lesson, little lesson there for Toronto Maple Leafs. Tree, are you listening? Bring back I bring Phil or bring back Phil. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Careful what you move. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, Careful. Okay. What else do we know? Well, it wasn't good news on the injury front for Florida. Was it a fractured sternum? No. But uh, the, the sternum for Kachuk. Sternum. Oh. And Aaron Ekblad. Here's a grocery list of things you don't want to have happen to you. Broken foot in the Boston series. Two separated shoulders or separate shoulder dislocations. Torn oblique. Torn oblique. Baseball players are like, see you in a month or two. Oh my God! <laughs> is that in the thing there? Is that the oblique? Where's your obliques? Yeah, that's exactly. Twist this area here. And you mentioned Gudis uh, was not right. Never mind the huge collision. Came back, Mister Period. Uh, other NHL news: The Cup's been handed out. Let's turn our attention to the off season, and it's been musical chairs. Look at this. Jason Spezza back with his boy, Kyle Dubas. He famously resigned moments after it was announced that Dubas would not be back in Toronto. So no surprise here. He's AGM and Pitt. Staying with his boy. He's going to report to uh, Dubas. And they still have to hire a GM because he's the president of Hockey Ops. Eh? There it is again. Quick quick ascension to the AGM spot. Taking... How long has he been out of the game? One year? Is it just last one? year? Holy. Yeah. So this will be his second season. And he goes from special assistant to Dubas to AGM in Pittsburgh. Yeah. It's good work if you can get it. Not bad at all. Let's go to, uh, well, the NBA championship wrapped up a few nights ago. And we're still basking in, we talk about how amazing Phil is. Jokic, also amazing, but in a different way. We, he, he was told that the parade was on Thursday and he was just like, oh. I need to go home. I can't Thursday. I have to leave Friday. It, was, it, it, it broke him. He wants to go back to Serbia, Rhett, and you'd understand why. He's been doubted. He's been critiqued. They love him at home, and he, no one likes their job. Come on now. So here's uh, him on the doubters. They called him fat boy. first pick in the draft. A Taco Bell commercial was running when your pick was announced. What do you think of that now? They believe in the fat boy. <laughs> and it seems like uh, it worked out. Yeah, don't don't bet against the fat boy. 
Maybe that's the common thread with him and Phil. Don't bet against a fat boy. Mm-hmm. That's what I keep saying. Mm-hmm. I'm a fat boy. Don't, Just give don't me a chance. A fat boy. Uh, what's waiting for him at home? What's in Serbia? You been to Serbia, Dean? It's been a while. Yeah. Belgrade? Yeah. Grave. So, delicious. Uh, here's what's waiting for him at home. Bit of a big deal. This is how legends are made. So this is the largest tower in the whole country. It's got... Uh, Little digital things all over it, and it's just him on the tower around the clock. <laughs> I understand why he wants to go home. I get it. Denver's lovely. I've been here eight months. Let me go home. I'm, I'm speaking my third language here all day. I'm getting sick of it. Then that's him spinning the globe on his finger. On and you the got the feeling he's not going home to get all tore up no. with his buddies. No. It's to go on to some acreage somewhere and just turn the phone off he wants to yeah go to a ranch and like talk to his horses or something right yeah it's not so, good for him good for him indeed yeah it's become very popular all of a sudden like the whole i, I can't be bothered to shake the champagne yeah can we won we can go home now right hmm. uh oakland they were protesting last night fellas we know the a's are moving to vegas they got uh approval at one level of government, it now is going to get voted on in the state of Nevada for partial funding for their baseball stadium. Uh, it was a reverse protest in Oakland because no one's showing up. That's normal in Oakland. That's not a protest. That's just a day that ends in Y. So what they did yesterday was they showed up in droves, I think over 27,000 people. And then uh, in the fifth inning, they started chanting, sell the team, which um, if you followed this saga, the owner's been a total Richard. The fans love this team. He spent almost nothing on the roster year after year after year and really is just ripping the hearts out of the local sports fans. They want to support this team, Rhett. Possum's in the press box. The idea being that team won five in a row. Seven. Is it seven now? Last night, seven. They did it again. They swept the Rays. You Unbelievable. Me? Thank you for that. Yeah, uh, at least saying. Now, take. that is a baseball. Thank you, RJ. It's getting better at this stuff here. RJ, I see it working. Mm-hmm. Now, Denver winning the NBA final was great for almost everyone if you were betting on the Nuggets. I'm going to explain why betting on the Nuggets to win didn't work. Let's have a look at this bet someone made. Uh our boy Jack found this. So the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, ding! Uh, UConn to win the men's tournament, ding! And Denver to win, oh my gosh, that's going to be huge. Oh no, you cashed out for $125 instead of the 71000 you would have made. Shoot. Yeah. So you go and lay out a parlay like that. How, what was his and what did he pay? 25 bucks and he cashed out at 125 and it could have been 71k. Needed a pizza. Oh, needed to fill up his car. Yeah, it's like I hope you enjoyed your two rounds of drinks at the bar. Yeah, that was worth instead it instead of you know a Idiot. house. I'm not in Calgary, but some place in the States. Okay, we'll move along. Game day tonight, it is the Calgary Surge at home. Three games this week, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. They got the Vancouver Bandits. Almost a fight last time these two teams played. A couple of these fellas don't like each other. Bandits, I think the only team that have beat Calgary, if I'm correct, rematch tonight at Winsport at 7. RJ and Jack are coming. Let's go. Do they have to wear those, like, balaclavas? 
Yeah, the the the, the Zorro thing with the eye holes because they're bandits. You know, I feel like that would be really getting into it. And if they could win while doing that, maybe give them two rings. That's a, they have those masks for cardio, right? Where it kind of you work out with the the breathing mask, so it's harder for you to breathe. That Ooh. sort of deal. Yeah, I don't like that. That is an idea, right? You seen those, Rhett? I so ordered one. I ordered. Oh, I asked for one for Father's Day. Yeah, I have a hard enough time breathing. Get the Darth Vader mask going when you're working out. It's I not am. hard enough to work out. Just about done nice. with this whole breathing thing. <laughs> Wearing me out. Uh, here's some fun ones to wrap things up. Now we're a little bit different in age, but not that far off, fellas. Um, you guys are both seventies. I'm eighty-one. Okay, fuck. Move on. What have you got here? Boy, you're in lovely spirits today. Yeah, well, it's weird. I'm trying to tease the clip because when I was in high school, yeah, we had those yeah. computer. A couple the, years ago, when you were in high school, yeah, I said 1981. I was 1999. I graduated, Dean, a long time ago. I'm gonna log off. Thank you. The calculators we had. Driving a Mercedes Benz. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Frick. Did you have the calculators that had little games on them, like Snake? No, we just oh, yeah, Snake was good. See, there we are. So check this out. This is the, one of the best Twitter accounts uh, uh, that I've seen. A national park. Look at this. There's Snake. Don't run into yourself or you'll die. Ooh, I don't like Snake. There's altogether too many videos out there with snakes right now. Yeah. yeah. I'm oh, with you, Dean. There was another one that came through where the damn thing's coming out of the ceiling fan again. There was oh, one. Yeah, that one was nuts. It, it was, was like huge. this anaconda in a little stream it's like jesus yeah you wouldn't do well in australia ozzy brad's not even worried about this guy no no ozzy brad did i mention ozzy brad you did rat we got ozzy brad he's fired up let's go it's our boy he hates snakes hates snakes he loves snakes he's an ozzy he doesn't give a crap about snakes it's like shoo shoo who cares eh. ozzy brad checked in let's go see what do you got this is uh very excited about all the changes Boom, boom. Pinder, retro, man cave, boys, lights on. Fucking good day for the fellas today. The toe ball, Huss Dog, is the fucking coach. How good's that? I know it's a fucking, fucking uh, tough gig for fucking Lovey, but look, <laughs> Mustak will get back into it somewhere else, boys. Now, boom, boom, I love it. I'm fucking telling you, fellas. Boom, boom's on the fucking right path. Glasses and all, boom. Retro, he's the man for the fucking D. I reckon we need Jerome in there too. I reckon forward coach Jerome, defensive coach Retro. Now, if there's any issues, we get them in the middle. Shirts off, Retro, Iggy, wrestle it out, boys. Figure out who's going to sort the boys out there. Defense, offense, whatever fucking comes out with him. But I've got your back, Retro, for sure. Now, if you need any help, I'll fly over from down here in Melbourne. We'll get Pinder and Boom Boom over there. And they're having a bit of a fucking tough run. We get them out of the piss. We get them out having a good time, and I reckon we'll straighten these fucking pricks out, mate. Boom, boom. Love the fucking glasses, mate. I'm on the ice cream sack as you keep punching. Boom. Okay, <laughs> punch it. Love it. It's a lot. Love it. And you Gotta it bring is a lot. In. Yeah, it it's, is a lot. It's like watching a Wes Anderson movie. The more you see it, the more you get it. Like, yeah. it, you only get about a third the first watch, and then that's my Shirts third time. Off. And I've got it all yeah. that time. Shirts off, Retro. Yeah. Get you out there, straighten them out. You'll run the D. Iggy you runs run the, the forwards. D, Iggy, you guys but I old. say I had to fight at wrestle Iggy. That's never if good. If you're fighting with Iggy, you got to wrestle him. It's just that oh, there's boy. something you got to figure it out. Get your shirts off. Shirts off. Wrestle and it. And have at it. And then if there's any infighting, we're on the piss. We started it out. And Lovey, don't worry about don't it. Don't worry about Lovey. Just, you'll be fine. We'll find just a spot for the time. Muzzy. That's right. Yeah. He's happy. Ozzy, Brad, again. 
Hall of Famer. First ballot Hall of Famer. And did you see our boy RJ? Can we go back to the look at the graphic he made for it? This is I this saw is that. Phenomenal yeah, stuff. Yeah. Might have taken eight hours and shaved off a year of his life, but look at the graphic we have for Ozzy Bradna. Anytime he sends us a vid from Melbourne. I was, you know, I meant to bring it up the other day. I wondered how this was all going over with Ozzy Brad, the, the hiring of the coach and that. Well, there you go. I said it to, uh, look at that. Isn't that beautiful? That's <laughs> perfect. Unreal yeah. what we can do. All Love it. I said to Jack the other day, I said, watch this. I'm going to send him one word and we'll get a video tomorrow. Now, is that the first Ozzy Brad contribution without a C-bomb in it? Or it is. I- and it's daytime. He's not into the sauces heavy. If we look at the video, it's, <laughs> it it's not daytime, at night. Yeah. It's daytime. He isn't mentioning yeah. trigger. He's not on the sauce as much. He wasn't high no as a kite and no yeah. C-bombs. Well, worry. So versatile, but still brings it. So text him. Mark Huska. him a champion right there. Get a video the next day. Love it. Finally, great news. We have an official drink sponsor for Bologna Fest, which you know we're going to work on with Greg when uh, from Bonton. When Rhett's back, we're doing Bologna Fest. Here's your official beverage. <laughs> Jalapeno bologna meat seltzer. Mm. Delicious. Can't wait. Who's going first with that? My goodness. What do you mix that with? Yeah. Just shots. I would think if you've got that jalapeno vodka, that would pair lovely. Just mm. no. I'm not sure Oscar Mayer is going to have the next big sports drink. That ain't a sports drink. Here, where oh, they sold for five billion. Bologna fest. Not sure that's the winner. That's your pin report today, fellas. There you go. Father's Day sales event continues at Village Honda. Family ticket bundle Mm. for Cavalry FC with every new or used uh, pre-owned vehicle that's sold between now and the weekend. It is Father's Day coming up. Take Dad to see Cavalry FC. Get yourself into a new vehicle as well. All at Village Honda, located in the Northwest Auto Mall. Your dealership for life. For life. Just looking at the old sked here for the fellas. I got, uh, look at this, in Halifax this weekend, and then next weekend back at home to face York. Stinking York. We beat them a couple weeks ago. That's right. Stinking York. Do they hate York too? Yeah. Well, Martin uh, Nash, Steve Nash's brother, he left Cavalry as an assistant to go run York. Oh, jeez. Son of a. Son of a. Can't trust these guys. Retro. Retro. What, because uh, was, t- so now today's Wednesday. Pinder is away tomorrow. You are making a commute next week, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What I'm, I'm just kind of mapping things out. What are we looking at for uh, the retro availability here over the next uh, week, 10 days? Have you got a plan? I know you don't plan. You said you didn't want to leave Father's Day. That's Sunday. Could you, are you on the road Monday? I could be on the road Monday or Tuesday. And I'm planning on making it a short trip, so... As fast as possible. You were mulling it over. And I do like the whole, oh, we'll take our time. But it's also like we can't do four days in a car. Like there's both sides of that, right? Exactly. That's the other thing. So I think what I'm going to do is send children, because it's only two of them. I'm going to send them on a flight by themselves and have them picked up by grandma and grandpa, maybe in Saskatoon. Nice. And then uh, hightail it myself. You and the shoveler? Or the shoveler and the other guy? The shoveler's staying with the... The big galoot. <laughs> she still got hockey. What's, or what's going on there? Baseball, wrestling. What's the galoot got He's got go. a big Hold state on. hockey camp into the month. So we gotta stay. There you go. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, you're right, though, it sounds like one of those things. Hey, you know what? Why don't we just make it a leisurely trip? We're in no rush. Yeah. Maybe we'll stop here and maybe go there. Things. And then you start doing it. It's 
I am done with driving. I'm sick of you, all you people in this car. I have to get home now. I don't need another night checking into no. a different hotel. I and... don't need another night at the La Quinta yeah. on some pullout. Pack. Yeah. Just get Plus five kids. They won't even let you. You need two rooms. Yes. Although so, I wouldn't have. If you're going by yourself, how many hours a day can you drive? This is kind of the... I don't know. That's what I'm wondering. Because yeah. you said you used to drive down to Florida? No, I didn't. No, 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 no. Is it Buffalo you drove to? You want me to fly out? I'll drive back with you. Oh, my God. Bring Mike's. Road trip. Huh? Roadies. Some roadies. Don't you have to go somewhere and do something next week? A few things. Yeah, there's lots on the go. Meetings and tournaments. Yeah. Meetings. Other meetings. I'm thinking 14 is a max for driving in a day. I think you're pushing your luck any longer. I almost made it. I think it was like 22 hours. And then I was like, I'm going to go into the ditch. I, yeah, I, I'm I can't not... do this anymore. And that was like in peak Pinder can stay awake for days at a time age, like mid twenties driving back from California to Calgary. It was almost died in Montana a lot on that drive. Yeah. Also no much like, bo- uh, much like boom, my eyes are horseshit. So uh... night comes around. Luckily the sun's up late because summer's coming, but yeah. it's. Uh... Yeah. You could be driving on the solstice. Why didn't yeah. stay? Brightest, brightest day to drive. That's what I should shoot to be back for. Oh God, that'd be great. So your eyes are horseshit, but how are your uh, how are your ears? They're going too. I got some yeah. sort of knocking in my ears. So. Knocking. <laughs> Usually that's something that's under the hood, not between the ears. That's yeah, not a new belt. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'll take you to the hearing loss clinic. I'm going to see Rosie and Hannah. It's like, yeah, we got it. I'm not sure. There's a bit of a knocking going on in there. That's not good, right? We'll get I you know. in. Hearing Loss Clinic, hearingloss.ca. There you see the website. Four locations in Calgary. They have nine in all, five others in uh, in British Columbia. Cranbrook, Creston, Fernie, Golden, and Invermere. It's a long list of people, dignitaries, celebrities, who have gone to the Hearing Loss Clinic and have had their lives changed because of it in a good way. Men and women of all ages, of course, children suffer from hearing loss. There could be serious health risks that are linked to untreated hearing loss. I learned a lot about that when I was mm-hmm. uh, when I was there last week. Get in touch, get an assessment, get it done today. Hearingloss.ca. Book yourself in, change your life for the better and do it today. My old man got an upgrade on it in the, the old thing. Yeah, He's yeah. Like, oh, I'm hearing great now. This is unbelievable. Yeah. Can't curse around the old man anymore. Careful. Is that how it works? He's not into the swears? No, he is, but there's, you know, it's just, you know, what you can get away with. Mm-hmm. It's all of a sudden his uh, diameter is increased. The sphere is larger, what he can hear. Yeah, I'll get into it. I am I am accused of having bad hearing. Is it selective, though? It's like this morning, I'm brushing my teeth, electric toothbrush. Yeah. And then in the other room, my wife's talking to me. It's like... I can't hear you because mm-hmm. you're over there and I've got me going in my friggin' no, it's not your fault. mouth hole. Not your fault. It's not my fault. No. <sighs> Get it around six. Yeah. Okay. F- yes. Fine. Just tell her it's Father's Day this weekend. Everything's Yipping at me. Everything's Ray, Ray of sunshine, Dean. <laughs> Let's do some, uh, some Betway and get ready for hour two. Uh-huh. Why wouldn't we do it? Why wouldn't you do it? Betway, get the Betway app on your phone. Play along. No more hockey. Got to get, got to now pivot. Got to pivot into some baseball, into some summer sports. Uh, on the Betway today, I'll start us off doing a little 
ball, Miami at Seattle. The uh, so I was like eight and two in their last ten is Miami. Seattle on a bit of a slide. They've won just three of their last ten. Uh, Yuri Perez, I believe, is the uh, the young guy pitching for uh, for Miami. Huh. Prospect, very good pitcher. I'm getting plus money on a money line win. I'm taking it plus one sixty. And then on the other side, did you know that the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks are on here? They're leading the West. What the hell's going on? I didn't think they're supposed to be good. I didn't either. They've won five in a row. Merrill Kelly has won seven straight starts, I think it is. Plus 140 for a win. Taking it. Merrill Kelly, get it done, sir. Plus 140. Those are my Betway bets. Some deep, deep MLB picks, Dino. That is uh, exhaustive research. I'm impressed. Yeah, very thanks. Good. Very good. So Merrill, uh, Maryland per- Pereira at Prez. Uh, my bets, I'm going to uh, Blue Jays. There is some hockey left, but I'll save it for tomorrow. AHL final, almost wrapped. We'll get to that tomorrow. But for baseball tonight, Toronto's in Baltimore. They got thumped last night. Chris Bassett uh, taken to the woodshed. Tonight, Jose Barrios. Uh, I don't know if the Jays are going to win this thing, but I know there's always fireworks when it's the O's and the Jays. I'm going to take the over nine and a half at plus money. And Barrios, four and a half Ks. That's a pretty small number. It's been uh, better command this year. Strikeout totals are up. I'll take that for even money. Why not? Happy with Burrios as a J. Better bounce back this year. No good last year. Mm. Just remember at the time of that deal, it was he's like, like he's a hard two, maybe an ace. Wow. This is good stuff. Locked him in that new contract. Yeah. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. When we come back now, a little break, you know, yeah, a few minutes. <laughs> like Rhett, what did you, uh, what do you do? You go and. Yeah, what were you going to do for the what break? What were you going to do between... Yeah, I can't remember. So, so... Yeah, so go... So housekeeping errands. Make yeah. grandma another sandwich. Wheel her on up to the yeah. TV, up to the YouTube. Have yourself a little bathroom break, because when we come back, we're going to have the new head coach of the Calgary Flames here with us in the Tower Chrysler Studios. Ryan Huska. Husk. In studio. Sometimes good guys do finish first. I guess so. That's coming up. Stay there. Quick break. Back with more. Back with Barnburner as we continue here on a uh, on a rainy kind of a wednesday but uh every day is a good day i think for our next guest a little it's brighter been, now uh, it's been oh. a good little run here he is the new head coach of the calgary flames joining us here inside the tower chrysler studios ryan huska man um life's good i it i was watching good. the press conference the other day and it's between you and connie it was a lot of teeth lots of smiles hard to <laughs> hard to kind of keep it in. i think it's great that you don't, there's not that need to to feel like well I can't let emotion out here and I yeah. have to this is business so we can't let on that we're excited or happy I think that there's some kind of nice vulnerability in seeing how happy you and Craig both have been over the last few weeks to get your jobs yeah and I think that's that's me and that's Connie I mean I don't see why you should have to change who you are um, because you're in a role that you've always dreamed of to me that's exciting and it's going to make me smile I think it would make most people smile. Um, so I'm just thrilled with that opportunity to be in this role now and have a chance to work with Connie and his staff for every day. Now it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I was going through some stuff last night and I, I just have it written down here to kind of stay away from Saskatoon Kamloops game sevens. (laughs) It didn't go well for, for one team. It went really well retro for another team. Uh, (laughs) Can I blame the goalie? Come on, miracle. Stop the puck. Is it eight one? Jeez, yeah, yeah, there's was a lot ugly. of taking care of business. 
<laughs> oh, is that the song? A lot of it. A lot of it. All we heard stories that he maybe didn't want to come back to Kamloops for the game seven. So he wasn't too interested in coming was the rumor on the street. So we felt if we can get one early, it yeah. might be over. So it ended up the right way for us. Maybe not so good for retro. Crazy. And we will kind of go. We'll go all, all over all of it, but it's just at be, we're about the same age and retro. Yeah. I just love those days of western the western hockey league and just how good you guys were in Kamloops for a stretch there that i mean the one team i know london's had some good teams and it's up for debate but for yeah. the longest time there was no debate you guys were the best team in junior hockey that had ever been assembled uh like darcy tucker and then in comes aginla and doan and bob brown the general manager i don't know how like you, crystal ball don't know how it happened but you are there for Four years, Mem Cups in three of them. Mm -hmm. Just a remarkable run. Yeah. Looking back, special, never to be recreated. Really. No, I don't think it will. And I remember the last year, I think it was the Hockey News came out and said this would be one of the better teams in the American League at the time. And we were a bunch of kids. Um, and when you hear those things, you're all pumped for sure and excited. But uh, I don't know how Bob did it. When we went to the Western League, my age was the last age when it was a list um, where teams could put you on their list for one spot. If you're an underager, it was two spots and you had yeah. 50 spots. So Kamloops had bird dogs everywhere. And as soon as they saw a good player, bang, we'll put them on the list. And they got Scott Niedermeyer that way. And I feel like they probably had to give up like four spots to put him on because they probably listed him when he was 10. Yeah. Um, uh, but it, they were able to do that. And then when they got into the draft, they had so many people out there bird dogging or watching around that I think they had a real good handle on who all the good players were. So in the draft, once it started, they picked some really good players. Um, and then they brought guys like Jerome into, into play and Shane. And um, once the team got put together and, and Tom Rennie initially, and then Dom Hay, Don Hay taught the group how to work and play, like, it was a lot of fun. And the only time really we ever lost games is when we didn't play well. You were no fun for other teams. No. I, we didn't see a lot, which was nice. I was in Brandon at the time, but then yeah. in the Memorial Cup, we saw you. But you would go in and just thrash teams yeah. and love doing it. We did love doing it for yeah. sure. And <laughs> I hear all the time about that stupid song. Every only like buddies that you have now that you played against, they're like, I hate that freaking song. Oh, yeah. I don't ever want to hear that taking care of business again because it played so much. But that's how we were pushed. It's like, it doesn't matter if you're up, you're going to you're going to be up further. So don't ever take your foot off the gas. So that's the way we were taught. And we had the type of players that could put games out of reach and, and they wanted us to play that hard all the time. Yeah. So it was the Chelsea dagger before Chelsea. Dagger. It really was. Yeah. It was the Chelsea dagger in Chicago back then. I, I think it was the 95 year. I got look at you. You had 67 points in 66 games. So over a point per game, yeah. eighth in team scoring. Yeah. I was over a point per game because my right winger was Shane Doan. So all I would do is throw it over to his side and he would do the rest. And I, Tyson Nash was on the other side and it was the same thing for both he and I, we weren't good players really when it came down to some of the quality that we had on our team. So we would just throw it over to the right side where Shane would go up and down his yeah. wing and he'd score. And then we'd get our assists off of that. So uh, we joke a lot about that still. Retro, do you remember what, what, like what's the game plan when, when you're getting ready to play this Blazers team, which you knew then they've got a lot of really good players that are going to play in the NHL. And you look back, it's like, yeah, they did. What was the game plan? As, as well, we, we had a good team, but I, and I don't, I love Lauren Mulliken. He was a phenomenal coach for me, and I, but he was certainly not an X's and O's. And 
my partner, D partner, Chad Allen, we still joke about it when we, we get together. Camelots would dump it in and they'd get on the four check and they'd bang you and crash you. And our it was it was so old school. Rim it harder <laughs> was, was the advice. So, and we didn't ever try to make a pass. And I think Don Hay may have picked up on that. Yeah. <laughs> Rim it harder, boys. Some yeah. power forwards there. Like, uh, like did, did they look like in junior even more terrifying than they did as pros? Because Don and Iggy, like, you're not winning puck battles against those guys against the best. Yeah. Never mind junior. Yeah, when Donor Donor was the same size as a 16 year old. Like, oh. honestly, he was huge. And him and Iggy, they were the most competitive guys. And because they were both highly rated players, I think it made that competition even more, more so. They loved each other and they're still best of buds. Um, but anything they could compete at, anything, they would do it. Whether it's a wrestling match, they would wrestle all the time on the bus in their houses, carrying bags down the hall in the old Sandman Center, center in Kamloops. Like, who could put the most bags on them and get it to the bus? They were up to, like, 17 bags. Like, guys would just put them over their heads. And it was goofy, but it's what you do at a young age. But going back to the stories about what Rhett said, um, I worked in Kelowna at my coaching career. Uh, my one of the years we were playing Tacoma in the first round of the playoffs and Tacoma sent their head scout Lauren Fry to watch us play to get a pre-scout and, and bring it back to the guys in Tacoma and Lauren told us years later um, they asked him Lorne how do we beat this team and Lorne's response was good luck <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that was it and that's that's kind of the types of teams we had that you know when people saw us play they knew they were in for one and Darcy Tucker yeah. was I just remember seeing Tucker and your team. And then when he got to the NHL, turned into kind of this, you know, this dirt ball, this yeah. ball of muck. Was yeah. he that in junior? Because it looked to me like he was more just kind of a, almost a finesse high end kind of guy. Yeah, no, he was that way. He was that way for sure. He was always in people, people hated him yeah. on the ice all the time. Like he was constantly, people were having to fight for him because he would stir the pot. And I'm sure Rhett remembers that whenever we would play, like he was that type of guy where you wanted to grab him and just knock him right out but he was such a good player that you had to be careful with that because he put yeah. us in the power play he's going to score and i think he ended up with like 165 points or something his last year of junior like yeah. he's a really good player but a very smart player um understands how he had to play at the next level to get there um and he really turned himself into what he became um because of how smart he was up top you know and tyson nash was the same way mm -hmm. and i tell tyson all the time like not a very good player but he wanted to play in the NHL. So he realized I got to be a, an agitator and a, just a rat to play against. And he went on to have a, a number of years in the NHL. I can only imagine because I've got teenage boys myself and teenage boys are dumb <laughs> to begin with. But then if you give them a little bit of swagger, if they're a little bit cocky, they're, yeah. uh, you just cannot take them. Were you that crew as well? Like you say, we're going to win, but win by nine. Why not 10? Yeah. Were you guys, did you have that kind of cocky, dumb teenage swagger to go with it? Looking back at it, I would probably say, yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, we knew we were good. Um, but I think that's what allowed us to be good. Like I, I would say, and it was probably the same in Saskatoon. There was a fight in practice every week, every week. Um, because guys would go at each other hard and that swagger, that cockiness is there. Someone would get mad and there's a fight Hazer would love it and break it up quick and then go on with practice. <laughs> but it was a regular occurrence, something that, of course, you don't see nowadays. But um, there was a, there was a swagger to our yeah. group for sure. You mentioned Tom Rennie. He leaves and then Don Hay comes in. Obviously, Flames fans will be familiar with Don Hay. 
as a coach now looking through your player lens and your coach lens, why didn't it work for Don Hay in the NHL like it did in junior? Uh, I don't have an answer to that. Um, I had a, I had a, a chance years later to work with Don at a world junior championship. He was the head coach of one of the Canadian teams that I was working on. And I thought he was awesome. I thought he did a great job and he had changed from when I was a player when that played for him. Um, so I felt like he was changing with the game at that time. So I, I don't, I don't really know why, um, yeah. whether it was, you know, wrong spot at the wrong time or whatever the case may be, but he, for younger players, he did a lot of great things for us and getting us to understand how the game needed to, to be played. Um, so I'm not sure because I, you know, I wasn't around to see how he was when he was up here, when he was in, in Arizona yeah. at the time. There's some lean years here as well. I, I don't feel yeah, like that's a roster that's wrong. like, why didn't you win a cup? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, we were talking about the young guns yesterday, mm -hmm. I think it was. Yeah, it's not the, not the, the, the highlight in franchise history for sure. So you go four years in junior three. What happened the one year you couldn't... Uh, only could, three Memorial Cup well, championships. You win the first year and you have to take one off. You think that's the pinnacle. We're yeah. good. We've got our championship. No, I, I, there's turnover, of course. Yeah. And they were really building for the year, the third Memorial Cup that I won. That's what they were building for. We weren't supposed to win the, the, the second one. Portland had the team that was really good that year, but we were able to knock them off and, and find our way through. I laughed the one year. And uh, the... Uh, the Blazers uh, getting returns from NHL training camp. Scott Niedermeyer and Daryl Sador have been handed back to the Blazers from NHL camps. That's not terrible. You know, it's good news day. Yeah, probably a good news day. So anyway, we can move on. So it, junior's great. Yeah. Pro career, the winning stops. Yeah. A little bit. The yeah. taps turned off a little bit. What was your what was that transition for you like? Well, different for sure. I mean, when you're brought up winning and playing long all the time, you almost expect it to continue, um, that that's just the way it works. So it, it's happened so easily before. And then you, you turn the page to pro and there's a lot of different dynamics that, that come into play. And especially in the American league or IHL where I played in, um, the IHL became a league that was full of older players that were making big money that weren't quite, um, NHL players at that time, or could have still been, yeah. but they were getting paid a lot more in some of these great cities that were in the IHL our team was a younger team and we got pounded some nights um, by these older skilled players and skilled teams. So it, it was hard for us to get ourselves in that situation. And then all of a sudden they try to bring in some higher priced players to help us out and, and allow us to be a little bit more competitive. But um, the difference between winning and losing becomes, you know, it, it gets a little bit closer. Um, it's not as easy to win as it was in junior, I think because of the parity of all the players that you're playing with. And you factor in the call-ups, the ups and downs, the injuries, the higher-priced guys and other teams that are really going for it. It's harder, much harder to win. We've talked with Rhett, and we've had guys on, and we talk about the end of their career. And it's usually the guys that are into their early 30s, mid-30s. Things are starting to, you know, that's kind of that how that goes. What was it for you? Because it was not age. You had, what, five years, I yep. think, uh, yep. of a playing career after junior. And then... I mean, hard decision. How did it come about to decide that? That's it. There's, we need chapter, the next chapter to begin at some yeah. point. You know what I did? I, my parents were a little iffy on me going to the Western league because they wanted me to go to school. So he was always, my dad was always stressed about, I don't want you kicking around in the United hockey league or 
forever. I need you to have a career. So <laughs> he was always a little bit skeptical of letting me go there, but that's where I wanted to go. So they supported that decision, but he made a deal with me that if this works out and you end up playing pro for a while, if you're still playing pro, but not the NHL by 25, you'd pack it in and go back to school. So my 25 year came and I had shoulder surgery and I wasn't able to play to start the year and the offers that were coming in. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. For me, weren't great. So I decided, okay. I'm going to hold my end of the bargain up and I'm going to go back to school. So I went and got a business degree with a major in finance and I was going to <laughs> take over the financial world. Was that RBC as easy investments. as you're making it sound though? Because <laughs> that's, that's been your life yeah. for a long time now. No, it wasn't. But um, I, I also think you get to that point where you realize, okay, I'm not a good enough player. And do I really want to chase it in and no disrespect to some of the East Coast Coast cities. I haven't played at that level yet. And do I really want to chase it knowing I'm not going to get to where I want to be? bucks every two weeks. You know, so I I, I made that decision at the time. I'm going to go back to school. And uh, it turned out maybe to be the best decision I ever made. So you go to school, you get the degree. There's that two-year, you're done hockey, and then you are going to get into coaching. How how does that two-year... Cause you got to focus on your school, but you're still hockey in the background. You do end up on a, a Western league bench. Walk us through that two year period. Well, I was taking six classes cause I wanted to get through it as quick as I could. So I took six classes a semester. So I was busy at that time. And I also wanted to try to get in with RBC or one of those firms. So I worked like two days a week there. And then there was an opening for a part-time guy with the rockets that came available. So I thought, wow, maybe it'll be fun for me to at least at nighttime stay around the game a little bit and and go to the rink and and be a part of it still. And uh, once I went back, I was like, I spent a lot more time at the rink than I was anticipating. Mark Habscheid was the coach there at that time. And I really enjoyed being around and starting to learn a different side of the game. Um, And yes, I was married and we had our first daughter, small, young child, and I felt like I was never at home because it was either at school or I was at RBC or I was at the rink. So um, it just, it, it brings the competition and the love for the game back. That those two years that I was part-time, full-time, if you want to call it that, it brings the love back. And then people moved on. Mark got a, a promotion. He moved on. The, the assistant coach moved up. 
and I was offered a, an opportunity to move to the full-time assistant role. At the same time, I was offered by an advisor to join her team. Um, but what she was going to pay me at the time, <laughs> I looked at it and I was like, I, had, I got like a six-month-old here. No chance can I take that. So I took the full-time assistant coaching job and I have loved it ever since. Yeah. So what was that part-time job? What were you doing? I was, I was going to be an, an associate advisor. Um, like a broker? Yeah. 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 So the lady I was working for, she's an unbelievable person. I loved every minute of my time there. And I really, I really enjoy the financial side of, of the stock market investments and financial planning. All that stuff's fun. And it's something I still, as a hobby, to get away, you know, for 20 minutes at a time. I like to, I like to still look at it. Um, and she was a, a great teacher of everything finance for me. So the decision was hard, but at the end of the day, it wasn't. So you don't so. need a cap guy now. You've got that all. <laughs> Tell That's, Connie not to work, Connor, not to worry about it. You've got it all figured out. That cap stuff's a little bit above Is my Is it favorite. a little bit? Yeah. 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 yeah maybe so. <laughs> so you get to Kelowna with, with Mark Habscheid and then the winning starts again. Was that easier to say to dad? Hey, dad, look, like I, I'm a winner. Oh. This hockey thing. Yeah. I, all I do is win here. You got to understand. But it, it really was. You started, you got back to the Western League and yeah. things picked up again. Yeah. Right to Quebec City for a Memorial Cup right away. So I've been now really five years in the Western League, including the one coaching, has been four Memorial Cups. So it's it's almost like, okay, this junior hockey, yeah, there's yeah. nothing to this. Uh, and then the year after, we hosted in, in Kelowna and the team won. Um, so it was five Memorial Cups in six years. So it was, it was special. And then we continued to get ourselves in positions where we were at Memorial Cups. Um, the last one was in 2009 in Ramuski, where I still, it still bothers me to this day how that one ended. But um lucky i feel really fortunate again it's good organizations if you are part of good organizations you're going to get opportunities um, whether it's to advance or whether it's to win or, or whatever you're looking to do and i'm i'm lucky that i was a part of Kamloops, Kelowna as coaching and now the flames so i'd moved from brandon where you guys were kicking the shit out of the wheat kings i was now in red deer with you with duncan keith and shea weber and josh george is on the blue it's not fair like how the hell does this how does this happen i just remember watching Duncan Keith. I remember it was Brent Sutter. He's like, this Duncan Keith kid is, this guy is unbelievable. He came back from Michigan State, yeah. right? Yeah. The one year is a 20, I think, or 19. He's uh, plunked into an already him. very good Kelowna Rockets team. He, early on his tenure there, and, and Mark was, he was very strict on some of the things he liked the guys to do and what he didn't like to do. And Duncan was so skilled, he can do whatever he wanted to do. He loved throwing backhand passes across the blue line to his partner, like sauce. And it used to drive Mark crazy, but he did it all the time. And it was on the tape, over sticks, on the tape. Like, he was that good of a player, but it used to drive Mark crazy. I used to laugh. Yeah. So it, it's Habscheid and then Jeff Truitt, the other yeah. assistant, he takes over. You're, you're very much in the mix now. It's all encompassing. You're a coach. Has that, have you now switched fully that I've got this, you know, RBC is going to have to wait. This this could be a career for me now, or was this just kind of I'm really loving this. I'm going to just see where it goes. It it started. I'm really loving it. I'm going to see where it goes. But after you know um, being a little bit more full time after I think it was my third year, I'm like you know what I'd like to actually see where this goes. Um, you know, so I think it's the passion that you have for it and the fun that the game brings at that time. But then you do kind of realize. I'm at the point now where you have to make a decision because I'm yeah. pushing 30 years old. Do I want to coach full time? Is this something that I want to I want to try to chase down? Um, and right from day one, my wife was like, "If you want to do it, we're in with you. So let's let's go." So then you commit full time and you put yourself totally into it. Five years assistant, 
And I think to that point, if it's not Kelowna, it's it's a harder decision, right? And that's oh, yeah. there's but there's a few spots in the Western League where the decision's a lot easier. There's some where it's tougher, but with how you had been treated and how the Hamiltons ran that that thing, yeah. it makes it a lot easier. Oh. But but to jump in there, also sure. what you said, Ryan, about your wife. I, I think that it's underestimated for coaches because of the time commitment you have to put in. Yeah. That stamp of approval is <laughs> is almost it's imperative. You can, it's hard. You, I don't know. You probably don't make the same decision without it. No, you don't. And I mean, the reality of it is if they're not with you, um, you don't get the opportunities. And if you decide to go about it on your own, then you lose your family. And that's mm -hmm. sometimes where, where, Hey, it happens and, and marriages and, and people split up. I mean, it happens in every, in every avenue of work. Um, but for me, that wasn't part of the equation. If they weren't a part of it with me, I wasn't going to do it. So um, she was awesome with that. And then when the kids eventually come along and when they get a little older, it gets tougher with the moves. Um, but they were right with us as well, which would made it all that much sweeter for us the other day. I wanted to ask about the family, but before we get there, yeah. you're a head coach and Michael Backlund gets airlifted in yeah. for one season of junior. I remember we're living in Penticton at the time and coming up and watching what do you remember about young Michael, a first rounder and a guy that had come from Europe to you and then is you know, kind of expected to make the big club or to go to the A? Yeah, I'll tell you one funny story about Michael that I've never forgotten first, and then I'll get into what was so great about him. But um, it was maybe a month into his time with us, maybe, maybe three weeks, and his mom was coming over to visit. Um, and I got a phone call from him in the morning, and it was a game day. He's like, I have a, a sore throat. I'm, I'm not going to come in. <laughs> And I said, no, no, you're going to come in. So he shows up at the rink with his sore throat and um, went to see the trainer. And the trainer's like, so, yeah, you have sore throat, um, expecting to be sent home. And no, no, you're on the ice and you're, you're going to play tonight. And then I saw his mom after the game and she's like, in Sweden, he doesn't play. Like yeah. that's something that doesn't Gross. go on. Yeah. So for me, that's one thing that always stood out in my head is, is nah, I have a sore throat. I'm, I'm not going to go tonight. And just goes to show you the difference and how people are brought up and the way hockey is and expectations here to expectations over there. But it's something I've never forgotten. Um, but he was the ultimate pro, even at a young age, like very detailed, very organized. Um, he and Jamie Ben kind of hit it off right away. So they made for quite the interesting pair. Um, and every day he came to the rink, you kind of realize the type of player he was where he just kind of controlled the ice both sides with and without the puck. So we were lucky to have him for both that three month period that we did have yeah. him. And that was the Ramuski yeah. year you're talking. So what was it? Because I don't, I remember Mike didn't, Michael didn't have a good playoff or at least yeah. a good Memorial cup. Um, what, what is it specifically aside from not winning? Cause you lose to what Taylor hall and yeah. Windsor yeah. that year. Well, the issue we, we won our first two games. And after the second game, we had already got the bye to the final. So we knew we were in and Windsor had lost their first two games and we played them in the third game of the round robin. So if we beat them, they're out. Mm. Um, and I think that game we lost two to one. We weren't great um, in that game. We weren't terrible, but we gave them a second opportunity. And then our team had like five days off or whatever it was before that final. And because we lost to Windsor in that game, we knocked one of the Quebec League teams out. And the Quebec radio and people turned on us. So we had our host one day, I remember it clear as day, uh, in his accent, he said, Mr. Huska, 
Um, I just want to warn you when you guys go to the rink today for this game, the people are going to be against you. And I'm like, oh, it's all good. What are you talking about? And as soon as we stepped on the ice, the boos for our team were like off the charts. So even the players like, what are, yeah. what is going on here? But people actually thought we lost that game on purpose to knock one of the Quebec teams out. So, um, and looking back at it with that time off, I would have done a lot of things differently. I mean, you have connections as a coach with different guys that you look up to. And, and Ken Hitchcock was one guy that I would call for advice it's the Kamloops connection again there. And afterwards we were talking about it. And he's like, I wanted to call you like during that tournament, after you guys lost that game, uh, just to make sure you were doing, doing certain things. And I kind of wish you would have, because yeah. afterwards you talk about it and um, Hitch's ideas were about, you got to shake the tree. Like you switch your roommates up, whatever you have to do, you got to make for these next three or four days, a little bit uncomfortable on them. So they're not getting set and just kind of we're here for a holiday sure, yeah. and looking back as a young coach of now I would never do what I did. I mean, it became a little bit of a holiday for us there. And we were trying to give the kids the experience that we wanted when in hindsight, we should have been, um, you know, creating some, some different things for them to do and think about and, and keep them focused on what we were there for. And then when we got into that final game, we got pounded. Yeah. <laughs> I, they got, they scored early on us and we weren't able to recover. So it, it's just one where we felt we let slip away. So it, it always kind of sits with you. So that's as the head coach. And I guess just to, to go back. So Jeff Truitt looked much like Habscheid. He yeah. moves on to the pro ranks. Was this just, this was your job. You knew you were getting it or did you feel you were ready for it? Obviously five years assistant, you had to feel like you were ready. Yeah, I felt I was ready for it, but right when everybody moved on a conversation with Bruce, he's like, Hey, listen, kind of like what went on here. Um, we're going to go through a process and we're going to look for whoever the best person is. And you're going to be interviewed for the job, just like everybody else. And I said, perfect. Great. Um, I felt I was ready for it. I was hoping and believing I would get it. And then time went on <laughs> uh, similar to I mean, this was a short period of time with Connie, but it was like three to four weeks in Kelowna where I'm Jeez. like, what's going on? We went to Winnipeg on a trip. My wife said I to visit some family. My I was miserable because I didn't know what was happening and I felt like I was coming back and it wasn't my job. And then when we were on the trip, I got a phone call from Bruce. Uh, and then when we met him coming back, it, it was my job. But I I just, it, moments like that, you remember, like the communication is so important, even when, the silence is there. People think they overthink yeah. and you got to be careful with that with players. Cause I do it. Everybody else is going to do sure. it too. Yeah. So are there things, even though it's junior yep. going from assistant to head coach that you will bring to this experience now? Um, I would say staying, yes. Staying true to who you are was one thing for me. Um, junior, I feel was a little bit different because of the age some guys age yeah. out and you have new people coming in. So you have different people that you're working with. But um, the one important thing for me was staying true to who I was. I wasn't going to change and try to coach like Mark Habscheid or Jeff Truitt. I was going to coach the way I believed the team should be coached. Um, and then making sure I set a standard early and, and I really challenged myself to stay consistent with it. And it wasn't an issue. Like really, um, I think it's probably a little bit like what I've had here. There's been a few questions on it, but um once that is done and I've talked to the players, this it's over. I think it's a mute point. And, um, I'm not concerned or worried about it at all yeah. because the preparation is something that I take a lot of pride in as is consistency. So the players are going to know what to expect from me, um, on a daily basis. And I, I think from that point on, it's, it's a different relationship. Yeah. 
was it everything you wanted it to be? Because I, I think you kind of touched on it uh, in the press conference the other day. And I think it's just for anybody in life, you get that job that you really wanted. And it's not that it lets you down, but sometimes it's it's still work and it's not all it's cracked up to be. And geez, I, I kind of don't like this aspect, even though you're happy being head coach of the Kelowna Rockets. What was that? I mean, even the first year, the first little bit like. Yep. Um, challenging. I would say my first two years were hard because you're you're working to earn the trust of people in a different way. Same sort of thing that we're talking about. And with Bruce, um, I love him. He's like a second father to me. Like he he's hard. Like, and he was hard on you until you proved to him that, uh, okay, this guy can handle it. So for the first two years, um, he leaned on me and leaned on me a lot where sometimes you drive home at the end of a night, even after a win and you're like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, um, and then once we got past that two year area, um, it changed where you could see that, oh, okay, he trusts him. So he traveled less with our team. Um, he would come down after games and would just visit. Um, and it became more of a, a relationship where I'd go to him for advice, if you will, because he knew that I had um, his team and our players' best interest in mind, and I had to earn that trust from him. So um, once I got past that point, I don't want to say smooth sailing ever, but um, I really knew that he trusted me that I could get the job done. And it's important when you when you have that feeling. Was it ever you doubting yourself or just knowing that you had to gain that trust? Uh, I think it was more having to gain the yeah. trust. That was the big thing for me. And I knew that was a part of it. Like my, and my dad always told me he was an RCMP officer and I would phone home complaining about Hazer and Kamloops was leaning on me and he would basically suck it up. Like yeah. that's the way it is. They're pushing you to see what you're made of. Um, so that's a little bit of, of where I came from. So it, it was, it was really no different for me, but it's, it's a matter of retraining yourself to really understand kind of what was going on and yeah. how I had to continue to, to work through it, to, to earn that trust totally. So seven years as a head coach, you have a couple trips as the assistant to the, to the world juniors you're doing those WHL super series. Yeah. Like you're, you're one of the coaches who is on the cusp. Seven years is a long time. Yeah. And I, I just know when we, the media more than anybody else, you watch, it's like, well, this guy's the next guy. And then four becomes five and five becomes six. And then there are almost kinds of so maybe something wrong with them. How come this guy has a sexy been, candidate? Why yeah. hasn't this sexy, sexy yeah. candidate been nabbed by anybody? And it's now seven years. Was there any part of that that worried you a little bit that you might just be wrongly pigeonholed as a junior guy? Yep. And I always, like I've talked before about the steps that I knew I had to go through to be a coach. Yeah. Once I decided I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I knew I had to make the steps because I wasn't an NHL player. And actually I should say, Connie made a comment in one of my interviews and I gave him the, whoa, I was an NHL player, That's right. <laughs> uh, but I knew I had to go through the steps. Um, yeah, I lost my train of thought. Well, yeah, okay. So patience plays a big role in this though, right? Yeah. Like to Boom's point, it's like, is this ever going to happen? Like you've got to really believe yeah. in this process. And if you're not patient, you don't last yeah, seven years. That's what I was going to say. So thanks for reminding me. I always gave myself a five-year plan. Um, I would work my as hard as I can and I want to be in a position where I feel totally ready that I've done everything I can do where I am and I felt like it was five years so I had some interviews after that five years um, I looked at our team as to what we could have been in Kelowna um, and I decided to stay around so after the first year or after my sixth year fifth year into the sixth year after that one then I started to get more interviews and 
I felt like it was time to move on. So I stayed beyond that five years. I was having opportunities. I stayed because I thought the team was really good and I'd have another chance to win. And then because of that, there's there's some more that come your way. And How then, close were you to leaving at one point? Um, fairly close. Yeah. Um, I pulled my name out of something because I just felt like I was getting too close to leaving Bruce in a bad spot. Um, so I decided maybe this isn't the right time. And again, if the team would have been terrible coming up, I, I probably would have stayed in the mix. But we had a good team yeah. and I knew we would have an opportunity to win. So it, it you know, it's hard, of course, because you're you're feeling like I'm ready to go. Um, but something just made it so the timing wasn't quite where it needed to be. Changes in Calgary. Brad Treliving needs a American Hockey League coach. Uh, did you know Brad? Was there a relationship? I guess just walk us through how that came to be that process yeah. that then takes you to the American League. Yeah, didn't know Brad at all. I knew Brad Pascal through Hockey Canada. Sure. So he got his job and I text him to congratulate him on being um, assistant GM. I think it was about two days later he called and I thought we were just catching up. And he said, do you have any interest in moving on and, and you know, coming to work for us? And I knew Troy Ward. I played for Troy Ward at the time, and he was the the coach. Um, in Abbotsford. Yeah, with the Heat. And I said, I thought you got a coach, because it, it wasn't. I was. It was. I thought it was a friendly call with, with sure. Brad, because it was just congratulations type thing. And I didn't really put it together. And and then he kind of said, Well, we're we're considering making changes, so we're just trying to gauge to see if you had an interest. And I said, Of course, absolutely, I would in those situations. So um, everything went moving forward and and they did uh, move on from Troy Ward in that area. And then I had an opportunity to interview with the guys. And that was the first time that I met um, Brad Treleving yeah. um, and the rest of their, their management group. Cause I remember at that time there was, there was just so much stuff going on. It was a, the Adirondack. What where? is, what and where is Adirondack? Yeah. Like, did you have to kind of, when you realize you're is, so potentially where are we moving? What yeah. is Glens Falls, New York? Where is that? It's, it's not Kelowna. That is. Yeah, <laughs> I know where Kamloops and Kelowna, that's you know, been your little kind of yeah. hot spot, but this is big, big time now. Well, I knew where it was when they brought the name up because the Red Wings, like we all kind of knew sure. the Red Wings when they won all those cups. But and I would say that that was the best spot ever to have a minor league team. Like we loved it there. And it was only one year. We knew when we were getting into it that there was a they told me in the interview process there's 99.9% .9 chance this team is going to move into a Pacific division that is likely going to be created. But it is actually like a a more wooded colonia, Kelowna, if I could say that. The Lake George is ridiculously nice and the people there are so friendly. It's such a great spot. It really was that it's a shame that they couldn't find a way to make it work to keep their the team there a longer longer term the only issue with it would have been trying to get people back and forth because yeah. you had to drive to montreal fly in from montreal so it was a process to get someone up but the, the setup there was awesome i mean for an american league team you're traveling all the road games are within two and a half hours and you're in your own bed like almost basically at midnight all the time it was a really good setup what's that Glenn's discussion house. like with with the wife um she was a little lukewarm to that one <laughs> Don't say. <laughs> yeah, because I think if it would have been, she hadn't moved before, so the number one. So she's saying, really, we're going to go to New York, and it's probably for one year, then we're going to move back again. And I was like, yeah, but I, I think this one feels right. Like these people that I'm interviewing with, they, it feels right. Um, so again, she's like, okay, let's do it. But once we got to New York, my three kids and I loved it there. She, not so much. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because she had in her head that we're moving right away again. So I've got to, I don't want to, 
get connected with all these people here because I know I'm leaving right away. Yeah. So she had a tougher time with it, but um, it was an experience. So yeah, let's let's talk about the hockey side because now you're running a, a training camp yep. for men, for yep. pros. You're, it's, it's a different travel schedule, lifestyle, personalities, and everything. What is that transition like? It's funny. The, the first training camp, you have all your plans in the American League, and I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. I'm excited. And this is the date where you're probably going to get all these guys coming down. So I had practice plan laid out for that date. And I think we had seven guys that ended up showing up. <laughs> so my practice plan was out the window. So that Welcome was my to the first, American League. Yeah, the first taste of the American <laughs> League. And I would phone Brad Pasco. I'm like, oh, we were going to have 20 guys here. Yeah. He's like, wow, it's going to happen tomorrow. Um, but it was it was great, and I think the one thing that helped me a little bit my first go around there, um, Nolan Yonkman, I knew from Kelowna. Um, they brought him in as one of the older guys, um, and he was excellent. So Monster. I would go, yeah, you know, and he's a he's a beauty. He's a funny man too, but he he was really good. And because we had a bit of a relationship, um, he was good with coming in and saying, "Hey, maybe back off here, or hey, like, can we look to do something like this?" So really good with that. Um, avenue and then as soon as you build relationships with those guys there's such a great dynamic amongst um, players in the American League you have the young guys that are just competing as hard as they can all the time and you have the older guys that are still wanting to play at a high level for as long as they can that understand their role and that's to help these younger guys get better so it, it was really cool actually and um, a lot of the players that we had on that team really good people um, for someone that was a first-year coach. And as the year progressed, we ended up getting some older players from the Flames, like McGrath and Setaguchi ended up coming down. So that was something that was important for me because now you're dealing with a different type of player, not just your typical minor league player that's you know holding on, if you want to call it that, or your young guys that are just chomping at the bit. Um, these are guys that are a little unhappy now that they're coming down. So that was a really good experience for me. And in working with uh, Brian and, and Devin when guys like that would come down. I always think that the AHL is just, it can't be like coaching in any other league because your best players get taken away from you yeah. and you inherit head cases and you must just continually have to reinforce this teaching. Here's how we play. Yeah. Here are our philosophies. Yeah. Like it's not just once at camp and we'll wrap it in spring. Like it's every month there's new guys you need to indoctrinate and you're calling guys up from the, the coast when the NHL club gets hurt. Like, that you pass 40 to 50 guys a year through there. You do for sure. And the staff isn't the same. Like you almost have bigger staffs in junior. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of responsibility on the guys that are there, but that kind of helps with all your connections along the way. But it's, it's, it's neat for sure. Like it's, uh, I think anybody that has an opportunity to work in the American league for the first time should without a doubt, like it's, it prepares you in a lot of different ways for what you're hoping to get to down the road. I saw the one year that you had to have had double digit goaltenders. Oh, I was going to bring that up. I think it was 11. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. And even at the end of the year, we were in a playoff race. Um, Kevin Poulin was our main goalie at the time and he, he got a concussion. So we were hoping that by the latter portion of the year, he would be back, but he just wasn't, getting himself to the point where he felt he could play again. So we were using young Schneider who just finished his, his junior season. I think That's he played right. the last 11 games of the year for us and we just missed the playoffs, but tough spot to put a young guy in, but that was a weird year in regards to yeah. goaltenders. It just seemed like I'd be on the phone with Brad. Ah, we had another goalie go down today. <laughs> and he'd be like, are you kidding me? What are you guys doing? Yeah. Down there? Yeah. It was a weird one. Yeah, it was a weird same. one. Yeah. So, uh, Spidey senses were right. It was one year and then it's California. Yeah. 
is that easier to sell to the wife? This third city, three three years. Yep. It's California, babe. We're going to be on the beach. This is going to be fantastic. Uh, top yeah. town. <laughs> when it started yeah. with California and she was loving life, and then all of a sudden, well, where in California? Yeah, where is Stockton? Inland, you say? So How she far? don't the, Google it. The googling starts. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh you're like oh, okay and actually during that season she took a trip out there to try to find us a place and see like where would we live around there and what school would the kids go to um and she came back a, you know a, a little bit wide-eyed um there was pockets and it's the same i i found since we've been down there a little bit there's pockets everywhere where you're like oh this is like beverly hills and then you turn a corner you're like okay i'm not in this neighborhood anymore so stockton was an interesting time when we first moved there because it was almost the area where they were pushing people out of the Bay Area and everybody was kind of ending up in Stockton. So at the same time, the city ran into some money troubles. They let go of a lot of police in the area. So there was a little bit of, of tough areas, I guess yeah. you can say there. It was California's murder capital of the year yeah, that I didn't you want guys to bring moved it up. there. And that but, was the big talking point in Calgary. Like, well, this will scare the shit out of the prospects. They yeah. better, if they don't want to get to Calgary enough, this could help. Well, yeah. I remember when Rhett, you, you were going down there. <laughs> Rhett was spending a lot of time in the hotel room. It wasn't yeah. a lot of gallivanting or, or sightseeing in Stockton, as I remember. The Yeah, well, you go ahead, Rhett. <laughs> no, I, well, you know it better than I. I was I, I was told stay in the hotel, and I was happy to do it. I, I found one Italian, yeah, wasn't a restaurant, but it was like a grocery store thing. I went in there and bought myself a coconut cream pie or something like that, and sat in the room, and that's all I ate for the three or four days. <laughs> it's very you, know, you know, I would say, though, from the first year to the third year when I was there, there was a huge difference. The city was coming back. People were downtown again. Um, so I never felt like there was an issue my latter portion of my time there, but one funny story, the first year we went in there, um, we just had the local police come in and have a visit with our team, the do's and don'ts around the area, what you should be aware of, what you want to be careful of. Um, and all the players would stay in a hotel that was right basically across the parking lot from the arena, probably where Rhett would have stayed. Um, so they just came out of that meeting and they're all in this place. It was a really nice place. The It was like a Melrose Place type thing. It just it almost didn't feel like it fit where it was. And the guys are all visiting on the, their patios and stuff and, and they were going to go out for dinner. So they have a the hotel shuttled um, lined up to take the guys to dinner. They all pile in the shuttle and as they're pulling out of the, the hotel, baseball park is right beside the arena too. And it was something like opening day for baseball or whatever. So it, the van pulls out and the fireworks go off. All the guys hit the floor in the van. <laughs> Nice. well trained thinking there was something yeah. going on and the driver turns around <laughs> like what is wrong with you guys yeah <laughs> you know but it's as i said as as it got going on there there's some great people in that area and um, there was never there was never an issue that we ran into yeah there. so three years not quite the same as say in junior but do you do you hear the clock ticking whether it's on the personal side or how long are we staying in stockton what's what's next it's now a really big move than yeah. that there's very little steps left on the ladder for you to ascend yeah. um were you were you itchy to get out because three years that was three years when you're living it three years is a while yeah i was i was itchy personal wise um because my kids were getting to the age where my oldest daughter was going into high school and that concerned me a touch with kind of the area a little bit although i will say the area we're in we loved so 
there wasn't any concerns in that area. But you just feel like when your kids are getting a little bit older, it would be nice to get back to Canada somewhere. And, and you know, it's where we were brought up and where we were raised and we're comfortable there. And probably around the third year, you start to get a little bit of the itch that maybe I'd love to get back. But for me, it was, I put my trust in, in Brad. Like I developed a good relationship with him. I, I felt like I was going to be loyal to this guy um, because I really truly believed if the opportunity arose, I would get a chance. And this is Pascal or True Living? Sorry. True Living. Okay. Once it got going, Pascal too. Like yeah. we had a, that's the GM head coach relationship like at the American league level. So we were every day. Yeah. Um, but I, I really did believe in, in what Brad Treleving was telling me along the way as well, because he was down there a lot too. So you, you get a different opportunity to visit and build relationships with people at the American league level. Cause they'll come in for two days to visit prospects and they'll sit in your office for five hours a day and visit and talk about all sorts of different things. You'd meet players and it goes back and forth. So you develop a relationship. Uh, and I really trusted what he was saying that if there was ever a time that um, we moved on from people, I would most definitely give you that opportunity to come up. And I believed him. Um, and I kept you know, slogging ahead and I'm glad I did. You know? and, th and there's no guarantees there too, because no. things can just change. It could be a, Hey, you know what? Sorry. It's just kind of the way it worked out. Yeah. Cause a lot of times a head coach wants guys that he's familiar with and comfortable with yeah. you, Bill Peters. I don't, I, no relationship there. I don't think like it, it, you, you just have to think, am I, I'm going to be plunked into the situation? Well, I hope he likes me and I hope that their staff likes me and that I can fit in here yeah. despite earning it by way of yeah. the years that you've put in. Yeah. With Bill, um, the Western hockey league, he was in Spokane. I was in Kelowna at the time. So there's that again in the hall yeah. visit with the guy and see him at, at league meetings. So we knew each other, but that's about as far as it went. So I think when it came to be that Bill was coming in, Brad just probably told him, I'd like you to look at this guy. And um, if you're good with it, we'd love to have him join your staff. Um, so I had a few conversations with Bill along the way, but um, I, I think for sure um, a lot of the opportunity came from Brad kind of pushing me that direction. And then um, over time, phone calls with, with Bill, there's a lot of similarities along the way. And if he doesn't say yes, though, I'm still mm -hmm. again, not in this position. So it's, both of those guys really so was that a phone call is that bill is that brad yeah. that call and say pack your stuff yeah um bill so there's a couple phone calls i remember i was in costco one time talking to him on the phone as we're walking through costco um and, and then he just said there was one where he's like let's do this we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a great staff i want you to join it and i was like <laughs> perfect how this happy or wife and kids at this point because there's been a lot of moving and sometimes it's the, the move itself is the fatigue and other yeah. times it's like we got to get back to this place my oldest daughter the one we were more concerned about was not overly happy yeah, <laughs> yeah it's funny the way it works mom and dad are starting to get a little uneasy but you've been there for three years now and now they've created some relationships mm -hmm. and when we came here it was probably the hardest on her because she went right into high school yeah um, Didn't know anyone. and Ernest Manning is like 2,500 to 3,000 kids where all the kids have their network and they have their friends and they're coming together. So they're not interested in someone that's coming from the outside. Mm -hmm. So she found it tough. The mm -hmm. three years of high school that she had, my other daughter was grade nine and she went to St. Greg's and it's a small school. And from day one, she had a posse. Yeah. So it's just even to this day when they're back um, from university in the summer, the one daughter's like, she can do something every night if she wanted. It's not quite the same for my older one. Um, 
just goes to show you how hard it can be on family based on on that time but we did feel it was time to come back so i almost looked at it like this is the perfect situation especially because we're from western canada too so getting closer to home and being able to see people again more regularly and have a chance to work with people that i believe in and i trust was the best thing for me so it's 10 11 years in a row of being a head coach you're now an assistant again at the highest level this is a make sure my tie is straight, make sure I'm not totally. making it right. It's you're you're on the on watch now. Yeah. It had to have been a nervous energy yeah. for sure. Yeah. And I and I look back at it and I think that the best thing for me, um, again, because I go back and I never played. Um, so I have to make these steps along the way. So you have to learn the NHL. Uh, you have to learn the players. And looking back at it, two things, the support that I got from Bill was awesome. Uh, and the second thing would have been Geo. Um, so it could have been very difficult for a young guy that never played, that's worked his way up, um, you know, to earn trust of an older group of guys, you know, if they're not really bought in, but from day one, he was with me and it changed dynamic for me right away. So all of a sudden you feel comfortable, you feel like you belong, um, because everything that I said, he backed up. So I have the highest amount of respect for that guy, for what he's done and for, uh, how we understand situations because he knows too there's a new coaching staff coming in place and the sooner we get everybody together on the same page and going in the same direction we have a greater chance of success so those are two big things for me and, and geo was a massive part of it what would be an example of that because Rhett and i we talked to matt stage in last week and i know craig brought it up at his at your press conference the yeah. other day about the experience in the league having spent time in the league and matt said the same thing he's like i just think you know, when you when you've been in the league, you have that experience, or you just have that that knowledge and know how. What would be an example or two that you just were so much better off after having now getting to the NHL? I, there's so many examples. One, the travel uh, is night and day from what guys are used to. The schedule, the demands that are placed on the management, the coaches, the players in particular. Um, there is a ton different. All of a sudden, as we talked about, you're going from kids in the American League that just, oh, I got to get there. I mean, yeah, you want me to go through this? Well, yeah, I'm going to go through that. Well. Yeah. <laughs> and to the older guys that want to be there that are, are really wanting to support you. So now you're dealing with guys that are at the very top of their craft. Um, they're making eight, nine, ten million dollars a year. And it's totally different in, in regards to um, what the dynamic and feel is. And if you don't know about that, it would be a challenge. And you always go into it feeling like, oh, I could do this job right now. So I felt that in, in Stockton after my last year, I'm ready to be an NHL head coach. Knew I would have to make the steps, but looking back at it, you're like, oh, thank God I had that opportunity because you learned so much that first year. Um, and even though you're telling yourself, yeah, I'm ready for this, you quickly find out like, yeah, okay, this might've been a huge learning curve if I wasn't in this position prior. So. We talked about it the other day. You you kind of ran out a list of, of coaches who have gone from assistant to head coach and it doesn't always work. Yeah. But on the flip side, you wonder how many very good coaches have been left at the, you know, just kind of left yeah. on the side of the road, never to coach in the NHL again, just because they didn't have that kind of awareness of things like travel and, and everything that, yeah. If you'd have been that much further ahead, you might still be in the league. Well, and as we talked about Don before, um, who knows? Maybe yeah. that was maybe that was a challenge for him um, to start with. That first year is finding a way to um, not just work with young guys that want to get there, but with some of those older players that are already established. And yeah, I'm 
can't tell me what to do here. Yeah. You know, that, that might've been something. I just, I just feel there's so much that goes on in this league, um, watching how people handle the media and the demands that get placed on, on coaches, but your, your top players, um, you see in the Canadian markets, you know, it's not the easiest for some of these guys walking around after a tough game because everybody knows who they are. So there's all sorts of different things that you don't necessarily think about that these guys deal with on a daily basis and having a chance to watch it all the time and see what they go through. Um, yeah, we're, if they're not playing well, as coaches, we're, you know, you're upset at them and you want to push them to go, to go further. But there's a lot that they have to deal with. And, yeah. and you don't know that until you're actually around them. Interesting first couple years for you in Calgary. There's a Western Conference championship and then a first round exit and yeah. then mm. the Bill Peters stuff and then COVID. You cannot be prepared for any of that. I guess you, you want to start anywhere along oh that line. Um, the, the Colorado series and just the, the season that could have been that a lot of people thought was going to be that ended so fast. Yeah. Uh, memories of that year. Memories of that year. Well, I think we had at that time during the regular season, the one thing that really stands out to me, um, that team believed they were going to win every night, especially early in that season. And you talk about junior swagger. This team had that swagger. Um, whether it was the older guys or the younger guys coming in, when they went on the ice to play games, they knew they were going to win. And when you look at the start of that season, um, probably three quarters of the way through, uh, we played that way. And when teams came into Calgary, they're like, this is a fast team and they're going to be all over you if you're not ready to play against them. And we did that. And we surprised a lot of teams by the way we were playing. Um, but the group had belief in itself. Now it, it slowed down a touch as the year went on where we went into the playoffs, probably not playing with um, the way we wanted to play. And we ran into um, the up and coming team. Um, yeah. So you you wonder sometimes if it's if it's different if we don't get that team or we matched up better against a team that maybe can't skate with us at that time because we were a fast team, um, but they were a faster team. Well, and you rested guys down the stretch. I remember we were in L.A. and Anaheim, and yeah. it was like Johnny would might not have played, Monaghan might yeah. not have played, Geo didn't play, and it was like that team might have been better off having to play those games that mattered rather than a week or two of like meh. We got this division sewn up. Yeah, that's such a hard thing, right? Yeah. And I think looking back at it, those are the lessons that you learn as a coach. You want to put your guys in the best position you can to be successful. Um, and if I can give them an extra day of rest so yeah. I get the very best. But you're right. That was like a two-week stretch where we knew we were in. We knew that nobody was catching us. Um, and looking back, there probably is a little bit of taking the foot off the gas in those situations. And you're playing, as I mentioned, a team that was fighting and clawing to get in. And they were at their very, very best when yeah. we saw them. And, you know, once the, we didn't win that second game, uh, it was like, boy, here they're coming. They're coming. And we went into Denver and it was... Uh, and Kel McCarr was unveiled. It was... Uh, <laughs> well, we laugh about it all the time, me. man. So it's, just, it's a lot to ask a kid to go oh, from NCAA to jump, step right man. into the playoffs. I'm not sure he can handle it. Scored in the first period and was the best player on the ice. Oh, even for coaches, like, you know he's a good player but you're stepping in to play with the best players in the world. And there's a lot of the best players in the world on those two teams that are playing. And he was, as you said, the yeah. best player on the ice. So you're like, Oh, this guy is now going to create another level of excitement. And the building down there, once that started to happen, it really got going. And um, they, they played with such pace in that series that we felt like we were chasing the whole time. Yeah. So you come back the next year again, no one knows what's coming. Yeah. Um, I guess I, I just, I remember exactly where I was when it all took place and where I was in my house and sitting there, you guys are on a road trip and 
everything about Bill Peters starts to come out. And there's nothing worse than being part of a of an online scandal. You just feel the the you almost feel literally the ground beneath your feet shaking and just you're no longer supported. You're just we're gonna fall right through this. What what was it like being with the team? that even that 48 hours because then bill leaves and it's we got to pick ourselves we still got to play games i know brad living is out in front of the media all the time it was a hairy time yeah and you know i thought jeff did a really good job in that situation um where he was kind of tasked with like let's help us get us through this situation here while they were trying to figure out what was going to happen um with bill um so it it was it was interesting for sure I, i think the players everybody thinks probably that they were off, but I I felt like it almost, I don't want to say brought them together, but they wanted to make sure they were playing the right way because they didn't really know what was happening. And when, when Jeff came in and um, I I think calmed the waters a little bit, he had a a good message for the guys to start with when he first took over. And I think we rattled off seven in a row after that. Right on a winning streak right from Um, there. It was crazy. He did a really good job and, and, and tree was excellent in that too, to try to, you know, keep some of the attention off the team to put it on himself a little bit more in, in that situation. So it just allowed the guys to go and play. And I think the way Jeff handled in that situation was right at the right time. We've talked about it a little bit and and we'll get into the, the more recent times here, but sometimes weird things can galvanize a team. Yep. And Rhett, you've talked about it a lot, a lot that maybe this can be something. It doesn't always have to be, hey, look at how great things are. This is how we cut. A lot of times it's shitty times or something that's awful that's happened that can really bring a team together. The rink's your safe place as a hockey player. I remember that kids getting shit in junior hockey and they'd have stuff going on. The only place you feel comfortable is, is in that dressing room with your pals and with your buddies. So I think a lot of times that happens in life when things aren't going well, for whatever reason, the one place you feel safe is when you get back in that dressing room and you got a support group. And it, yeah, it worked. And then, and then I, we'd not heard anything. What is a bubble? We have to get into the <laughs> bubble and was a cohort groups, cohorts and all this sort of stuff. Oh. It became, it became common knowledge very quickly where, cause I, I just, again, I remember all these press conferences cause I mean, Ken King had passed away and we're shutting just remarkable stuff as a parent. It's one thing as a hockey coach in the national hockey league, it's another that, that 48 hours Islanders are coming to town. No, they're not. Oh, what, yeah. do you, what do you remember? I remember watching the Oilers game at home and on the TV, the, the, Whatever the streamer or whatever yeah, the yeah. ticker on the bottom, um, the basketball game, yeah, um, got shut down or two of the players tested positive, and I'm like, looked at my wife, I'm like, this is not good, and sure enough, we get to the rink in the morning, and and Brad comes down, he said, hey, we all got to get out of here, um, we're gonna fill you guys in, he said, I I think this might be something longer term, mm-hmm. um, it might be like a week and a half to two weeks, yeah, <laughs> is what he said at the time, <laughs> real so real nice, water, yeah, right, so we all ended up going home and and. The Islanders left their stuff for put it right back on the plane and they were waiting for a word as to what was going to go on. And then it was like, well, we all know the world shut down. It, it, it got to be weird for that first little bit. And then for us, it was nose test every day after nose test every day after nose test every day. And then when you go into the bubble in Edmonton, one thing I remember the most are the little, we call them like mice runs. Like we stayed at the Sutton Place Hotel, so you have to walk to Rogers, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and there's little 
the gates that are put up that it's are like a corn maze. Yeah. Yeah. So you're walking every day and nothing's going on. It's just, it was weird. I will say it was weird, but found a way to get it done. You know, it was an experience that people will never forget. I just, it, it's baffling to me that we actually had to go through all that. How long were you away from wife and kids? Oh, geez. I'm not sure what the length of time was. I think it was probably around four weeks for us. Yeah. Like we, we got through the first plan call it. Yeah, yeah. The play in round. And then we had the series with Dallas there. So I think it was probably closer to the four week area for us. That team in the bubble, just memories there. Yeah. That was, we're not going home, right? That it was, was uh, Hudobin. Anton and Hudobin. If Lindholm hits an empty net, that series, I feel like plays yeah. out very differently. It was, yeah. you had a lead early in that series and Kachuk was hurt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was uh, that was one of the big things I think in that when you you lose Matthew early on, um, and then there's there's certain points of the the games or the the series that turn a little bit on you, and I just feel like the mental toughness that guys had to have in there um, was a different level because you can only look at and go to the same four restaurants all the time. Like that's that's what's there, and in Edmonton there is no green space for the players yeah. to just go sit in the sun yeah. and just chill out. We had that in Toronto, but it wasn't in Edmonton. Hmm. Um, so you had to really challenge yourself mentally because it was the same thing every day. You have to check in with the computers to make sure your nose is clean and am I allowed to be walking through here? Um, you know, and then we you get into the Dallas series and we, we really felt like that was a team that we could have beaten. We loved the way we played our first game. Um, we lost Matthew. We didn't respond the right way in the second game. Um, they pushed back fairly hard and our answer wasn't enough after that. And then it's the, the mental side that kind of comes into play and you know, we ended up not winning that series. And it's just, it's also, so Peters is in, Peters is out, Ward is in, yeah. Ward is out, Sutter is in. Through all of this, was were you considered at that point ever for the head coaching job or outside of Calgary? I guess just with, with so much upheaval, yeah. not that you're thinking I Calgary's not the place to be, but yeah. are you looking beyond? Are you kind of looking at that, that next chapter for you? Wasn't looking beyond. Um, I, I would have hoped, and I did get, I would say early interviews for the jobs here, but deep down I knew in the situation the team was in, it wasn't going to be me or it wasn't my time because there's, you kind of know, what the team needs and the direction it has to go. So I didn't know who was going to come in after Jeff. It, nobody had told us that. And then um, when you see Daryl coming in, you understand why yeah. um, for me. And then I had the opportunity to interview um, with another team um, along the way. And um, I, I, I look at it as everything works out for a reason. I, I mean, I learned so much from all the guys that I had a chance to work with, whether it's the head coaches that have been here um, or the assistant associate coaches that have been here, everybody sees the game differently. They're all different communicators. There's different styles along the way. And it just, I feel having an opportunity to be around people like that makes you a better coach. And the last guy that was here, Daryl, he's Stanley cup winning coach. I mean, he's one of the winningest coaches of all time. And there are some things that you see in regards to how he approaches his days that are off the charts. Um, so good. And you just, you take notes and you, whether it's mental or me, I write a lot in books. Um, there's a lot of great things that I've been able to take from him um, as I have from all these other guys. And I, I feel like because of these experiences, it allows me to be ready for this. Funny things happen. We're all tested in yeah. life and professionally when you're backed into a corner and your claws come out, sometimes we behave in ways that we 
wish we could change. I just wonder this year it was it was one of the craziest years that I've ever seen covering sports for for forever. You start five and one, yeah, and it feels like okay, you got through. We're past COVID. You got a training camp. Everything's this. This is what we expected. Yeah. When did you, when did it go, it go sideways? I think we know, but when was the fear there that we might not get the wheel back in our grips again here? After that start, you know, we went on a bit of a a bit of a slide, I guess you can say, where it became more challenging. No, I, I guess it was it became heavier. The more games that we were losing, it became heavier. Um, and you start to see other teams starting to separate a little bit. And then you're like, God, we got to get this going. We're okay here because we love our group and there's some good people in that room that know how to win. So there is always a belief that we just, as long as we're staying close where we're figuring ourselves out here, we're going to give ourselves a chance as we get going down the stretch. But there was a lot of change. And I think you know, in my position last year, when you look back at it now, um, there's some key guys going out and there's some really key guys coming in. And finding a way to get the new guys together with the older players, key people that were here, um, maybe was a challenge that we underestimated a touch. We knew it was going to be hard, maybe not quite as hard as it, as it ended up being to get everybody together. So we honestly felt that as long as we were close and we kept playing, you know, working towards our identity, which we knew we could play at, we weren't playing the way we expected to play, but we were getting closer at time then we'd have a chance as the season went closer to the end. And if we're there, we, we can get in. And then we felt like we can make some damage, but we just never could get to the point where they were competitive enough as a team consistently to get us over the hump. Yeah. I feel like the, the, to characterize the season, you'd have a big win on the road, like in Minnesota, second half of a back to back yeah. tons of travel. Then you come home and stub your toe against, I don't know if it's Anaheim or someone else, but yeah. something like that. It yeah. was just like, ah, oh, that's this year in a nutshell. For sure. And that goes to our third, all these one goal games too, right? Yeah, the, yeah. We led the league in overtime and shootout losses. And um, we missed the playoffs by two, three points. If you count that tiebreaker. Sure. And when you look at that, um, you win three, there. four of those games instead of being on the outside looking in now Winnipeg is, and you never know what happens once you're in that position. As a, hang on. Boom. Yeah. One yeah. sec. Uh, as a coach, you're probably not in, thinking much about contracts but you are in the room with the guys yeah were you surprised that Gaudreau's leaving Kachuk says he's leaving did you have that sense at all or I mean again I know that you're not part of the the negotiating team but I wonder if you had a feel for those guys and whether you expected they'd been they'd be coming back or if you were shocked by what happened no, I was, uh, I won't say I was shocked, but I, I, I really felt like all this talk and, and we do hear from media, of course, as to, Hey, what's this guy going to do? What's this guy going to do? I fully thought Johnny was going to stay. And I, I didn't quite know about Matthew. I felt if Johnny was going to stay Matthew Stan, um, cause they have such a good connection, the two of them. And I felt really positive of with it. And right up until when that, I think it was at the, it was the country singer that was at, stampede last year i was in the cowboys tent and that's when the news came out that um johnny was going to sign elsewhere i was i was actually really surprised because i really felt that he was going to stay the longer it went i thought he was going to stay and then everything would fall in place and and those guys would still be here but um and i go back to everything happens for a reason like we've got some very good hockey players that came back and our, our job now with those guys that came back is to really get them to play hard together um because they're they're elite players in this league, and now it's a matter of um, getting them to remember that, realize that, and, and show that we do really believe in them. 
as an assistant coach, there's a level of respect that you have for the head coach and just the entire process, the hierarchy, the room and everything. How hard was it as an assistant to see things going on last year, losses, whatever is happening, but knowing I can only do so much here. It's just going to have to, we're going to have to ride this out and it's going to have to play itself out. Yeah. Well, we're all a part of it. Like we had a, our coach's room was a good coach's room, you know, and I, I felt in, in my role as an assistant coach, um, my job was to try to get the guys on the back end on the penalty kill in particular, because that was the area that I dealt with most to get them in a spot where they were ready to play each and every night. So sometimes that meant where I would lean on guys a certain way. Sometimes that meant I felt if someone needed a, a pat on the back, that that's where I, I felt my role was last year and, and to try to get them to where we wanted to be. But um, sometimes you get into those situations where your team isn't playing quite the way you want or expect them to play. Um, it's hard. It is hard for sure, without a doubt. And everybody senses that because you look back at the beginning of the year, the expectations on this team were high. You guys talked about the start that we had. Um, everybody's talking about, well, this team is a contender for the Stanley Cup before the pucks even dropped. So expectations play into it as well. And when they aren't getting to the level that the outside world thinks we should be at, um, it becomes harder and harder. People start to think a little bit more. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you become, you grind. And instead of playing or coaching free, just wanting to do so well that you almost you try too hard. And I know that sounds stupid, but um, you just want to make sure that the expectations that are out there are legit. Yeah, we'll, we'll get ourselves to that level. And I, I felt like that's kind of the way it was all year that we just were close, but we just never got ourselves close enough. You talk about new guys coming in and they're obviously going to have to be huge parts of this yeah. season coming up. What did you see from Uyghur this year? Because you ran the D He's a guy that is right-handed but played left most of the year and yeah. has been a very capable guy on the right, but also played with Aaron Ekblad, who's a righty. I mean, just walk us through where he's at and how central a PC is moving forward. I know he had a great world championship. Yeah, he did. I, I thought when he came in, um, and it was to all of them, but when he came in, the first beginning portion of the year, I don't feel we saw him, who he is. Uh, and when we did finally start to see who he was, was after the All-Star break. Because I think he got himself okay, this actually did happen. Like I'm, I'm out of Florida. I'm now in Calgary. And I thought he started to understand, okay, I can still play in hockey. I, I understand. I wanted, again, expectations. Um, he's a guy that really thinks and wants to do his very best every night. And when things weren't going to the way he expected them to go to early, um, he overthinks and he challenges himself different ways and he gets frustrated. He gets mad at himself. And I think the all-star break was the best thing for him. Because he got away, he cleared his head, and he came back, and I thought he played really well to the way we, everybody probably expected him to play, um, where he was active in the rush. He was very quick to defend. He had the bite that he plays with that makes him a special defender. Um, And I thought he was one of our better players down the stretch for us, for sure, on a consistent basis. And then he carried that on into the World Championships, which I think is such a great thing for him. Because, you know, when you you have a season that doesn't go the way you want it to go, it's great when guys get an opportunity to go over there and continue to compete because they want it and they want to win. And that's McKenzie. So I, I think everybody often talks about Hubie as um, the big guy in this trade, but McKenzie is a very underrated player and I'm a huge believer in him and his ability. And I think we're going to see some great things from him this year. Brett, you kind of keyed in on Uyghur early. I mean, we, we don't have that same kind of vision as a guy who's played in the national hockey league, as long as you have, but you, just trying to recognize because you didn't watch a lot of Florida games, but just watching. It's like, okay, so what is Uyghur? And you, you could kind of see early on whether it was pressing or trying to do too much or whatever. 
And you could right about the all-star game. Wow, you could see it come around. It's an easy seat from here because all I needed to do was notice that he wasn't playing as a top four defenseman, and that's what he'd been sold as. And and it, it totally I'm like, this guy's not playing top four style of hockey. He's not playing top two for sure. And you just alluded to it, Ryan, that he'd looked like he struggled. I was I was to be quite honest, totally unimpressed with his game. And mostly based on the fact that he'd got the contract and had been told, we'd been told, he's a top four at least, maybe a top two pairing guy. He wasn't that. And and I came around on him hugely after the All-Star break or later in the season as well. We're like, okay, this is what you were supposed to be seeing all year. <laughs> Again, yeah. it's easy to sit here and just go, well, he's not a top four because look at his numbers and yeah. look at his minutes and look how he's playing. So yeah. a little tougher when you've had to make the move and uh, – and deal with all the changes that he had to. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, the group. I'm, I'm glad that he's bounced back because oh, that yeah. was going to be a tough to watch if he didn't turn into that. Yeah, he is. Uh, he is a top for a guy all day long. Um, Patience and, the, and process. Is for that sure. What you said the other absolutely. Day? And the part that I absolutely love about him is he's got he's got the bite. I'd use another word, but you can I, say I it. Won't, yeah, so. Podcast balls. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all right. But you know, you you want you want to have a, a group of guys that have um, a certain fire that they play the game with, because to me that's contagious and it makes your team hard to play against. And Mackenzie's one of the guys that most definitely does have that. Jonathan Huberdeau yep. is obviously a focal point. <sighs> Rather than ask what went wrong, and you know what, I'll, I'll go even one step beyond that. We talked about it. The one thing that you have that no one else would is you've been in that room this year and for five years no one knows whether you want to call it dysfunction or whatever was going on in the room good and bad better than you is is between huberto and just everything how confident are you that not so much that you've got the fix but you've got the directions to point them into to then let them succeed yeah i am with uh hubie um i am very confident that you'll see a different player um, I, and in having short conversations with them already, there's a different level of excitement in them right now. And um, he, he, you go back to pressure expectation and it's a different, we talked about the changes that all these guys go through. So there's that. Um, and then when things don't go well, or he's not playing to the level that he's capable of or feels he should be at, um, they start to put a lot more pressure on themselves and then everything snowballs. And the one thing that you, and it is true, like when he is on, he is a ridiculously good passer and the way he sees the game and controls the play. And it's my job to make sure that I put him in situations where we get the very best out of him all the time. Now, I don't know if he's ever going to be a 115 point guy again, um, but this guy is an elite we'll hockey player. We'll take a hundred, Husk. We'll take a hundred. I would too. <laughs> um, but he is an elite yeah. hockey player and there is something special about this guy. And I am a guy that really believes in him too. So, um, when we look at at Mackenzie and and Jonathan, these are these are elite players, and I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised when you see him um, come back in the fall. Last couple for me, um, just in, in terms of your story, was there a was there a point in your journey where you you like I I I can coach in the National Hockey League. Because uh, some guys are just junior coach and they that's what kind of what they do or whatever and then it's and then it's over. It's, yep. Yeah, I coached and it was great. I was played hockey. Was there a a whether an appointment that you got or a situation where it's like you know what I think I can do this at the highest level or maybe conversely where you thought you know what 
I don't know if I've got what it takes to do that. I don't think I've ever, I've always thought I could do it, but at times there's still that wonder in your stomach. We're like, are ready for that yeah. at this time? And in junior, for sure, that was me. And then you get into the American league and I lost the wonder. Um, so I knew that I had to still get better in certain areas and develop, but I never questioned it from that point. I knew I could be, I just knew it was timing for me and yeah. making sure that I, I checked off all the steps along the way. And I am, I am there now without a doubt. So I have no pit, no gut in my stomach. It's just excitement. And, um, I'm ready to go. I, like I said, I wish we were doing this tomorrow. It's like so much in life, right? Whether you're a student in school and you, you know, you've put in the studying that you needed to, totally. to be ready for that exam or the job, or like even this dumb things. Yeah. I've mm -hmm. done the proper amount of preparation to now do this, whatever your job is, there's, it's a great feeling yeah. to feel like you're prepared and ready yeah. and clearly you are. Yeah. And I tell my kids that all the time, like if, if they don't study for a test and they flip it over and they don't know what's on it, or they're like, oh my God, they have that panic in their stomach. Well, shame on you. Yeah. Like that's on you. Um, and I look at it the same way with my job. Like if I get into a situation where I feel that, well, shame on me because I haven't done something right. And I, I'm totally at the point now where I understand the work that goes into it, um, what needs to be done. And when I flip over that exam, um, I'm going to know. The questions on it doesn't mean i'm always going to answer them the right way but there will be no wave of i didn't know this was coming for sure so and that's why i'm i i'm ready i know it i love the story that i'll just finish i love the story that conroy threw out about the the concert and then you get in the car <laughs> and you're like Fuck, i'm not getting this so what i i guess does the family appreciate and recognize how big of and I'll call it a victory because it's an, an achievement, how big of a part of this victory that they are between the moves, the time you're not around, yeah. the sacrifices. Are they cognizant of that? And what did you guys celebrate? Is there a, did we raise a glass or did yeah. we have a family celebration? Yeah, we had a, we had a, and it wasn't even a, a big dinner or anything. Like that. We had dinner, the five of us, and my wife and I had a nice bottle of wine. Um, and to me, that's, that's what it's all about for me. Like I, you don't get here without them. We talked about this before already and you see, you know, the excitement a little bit in their eyes too, because it's cool for them. It always has been. My son is turning 13 years old and he thinks he's the cat's ass now. Um, <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's, my dad's it's, coaching in the NHL, it's, head coach. Yeah, it's special. And, uh, and you also see that they're proud of their dad and there's a different look in their eye when you get that from them. So it was a, it was a cool night. We just did a little bit of talking, drank um, a nice bottle of wine, and, and that was it. So, um, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Just love my family. Anything from you fellas? I got one last one. But I, uh, I could ask if we're going to do yeah. one more, I'll do one more. It's been yeah. just, yes. You'll probably give us a coaching management type answer. <laughs> oh, gloss <laughs> over it. A uh, lot of discussion over the last couple of years, especially this year, with the team not having a captain. My yeah. take on captains are captains aren't you, you don't appoint a captain. A captain comes into the room and he takes control of the room and he is a captain. Will you have any say? Do you have any indications on who that might be? And was it a player decision or a car? Try and have a captain. How are you going to address this? Um, we will have a captain this year, is I guess the short answer. Like the the three things that I've learned the most over my last five years, how hard it is to win in the NHL, the importance of an environment for putting the guys and, and staff in a great situation where they have to push each other to get better, and the importance of leadership. Honestly, 
um, that leadership starts from the very top um, and it goes to the very bottom of that the rung of rung on the ladder but there needs to be someone in that room that the players can go to when they have an issue that they trust that player has the confidence and courage to come into our office and deal with it and vice versa we have to know that we can go at somebody and know that what we're going after them with is is going to be brought back into the room. So there has to be a great working relationship. And it's something that um, the coaching staff, when it gets into place here, and Connie and, and management team, we're going to spend a lot of time on. Because, Red, as you said, it's it's uh, you don't just say, here's your C. Um, it's a real important role, and you have to make sure you find the right fit in all different um, avenues for us. And uh, I do feel like we have a, a number of people in our room that are going to get a lot of consideration um, when we move forward, but we will, the short answer is yes, we will have one this year. You're speaking in, I want to say uh, a week and a half yeah. in Michigan at a conference. Yeah. Uh, do, do you want to share your topic with us and what advice would you have for young coaches? Cause I know coaches through and through it's a community and no one loves stealing a drill more than a coach. Oh That's God. considered sharing. It, yeah, totally. And they say it's sharing. It's actually yeah. stealing. Yeah. We, we steal all the time. That's what we do. Um, I, I think whenever you have an opportunity to present, uh, I think you should take advantage of it. And that's for younger coaches. It's it's one thing to go and sit and listen and you gain a lot of information, but it's a whole different animal if you have to present in front of people. Um, and sometimes as a younger coach, you, it's a little unnerving, but it also helps you get over the hump of speaking in front of people. And um, if you're speaking in front of quality coaches, uh, it's no different than speaking in front of someone that's uh, an elite player in the National Hockey League. So it's it's a way that you can build your craft, I guess, if you will. And the information that you get at these things is terrific. So I'm I'm presenting a short presentation on some of the finer details of the penalty kill. Okay, and I'll try right. to give out some information without giving too much. <laughs> that is the fine line. <laughs> yes. right, yeah. And last one for me, I just, uh, as an assistant coach, are there any of the shit gigs shit, shit jobs that assistants have to do that uh you're happy to no longer have to do or that you'll be happy to uh pick and pox or just yeah you guys grab that for me would you i'll still probably do the pox i actually like that because sometimes you get to play the flip game with other players and every once in a while you'll beat a player with and <laughs> give it to them a little bit but i i don't think so i loved everything i did honestly so um that part of it, as I said, isn't going to change. I just, I, I feel like having a great connection with the people around your room is the most important thing. And um, by me changing or not doing something that I yeah. used to do, unless it's it's someone else's total responsibility, um, it, there won't be anything yeah. different. Yeah. We say it a lot. It's, it's awesome when good things happen to good people. And we've Thank had you. two unbelievable press conferences between Craig, who we've loved forever, and obviously just one of the best. That No one has bad words to say about either of you guys. So... Uh, for everyone at Flames Nation and Flames fans, good luck. We're looking forward to it. It's it's an exciting. It's, it really is a huge new chapter when you yeah. think about it. GM and head coach. That's that's a major turning of the page. So yeah. it's awesome. And like, thank you guys for this time. Like, this is a great platform for our team too. You guys do an amazing job. So Connie and I have already joked about. Yeah, there's a lot of. of good vibe around the city but if we happen to drop our first exhibition yeah game, don't lose the home so. opener don't lose to the oilers in game one for <laughs> make sure. sure you're winning that game is the most Still important no thing. Solution for McDavid, eh, coach? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey congratulations thanks for coming uh, gr really gracious with your time we appreciate it thank you for having me guys there you go that's gonna do it for the show we'll see you buddies even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 